Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the first We Can't Wrestle episode of 2020. A very special episode here. It's going to be a 2019 year in review in wrestling where I'm going to have joined as my guests, Mr. Archie Mitchell, Mr. David Gold. They are going to be joining me, and I don't want to take any longer to get this conversation underway. So let's get to our conversation about the year 2019 in pro wrestling. Myself, Archie Mitchell, David Gold. Enjoy, wrestling fans. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the We Can't Wrestle podcast. I am here, joined a special edition of the show. We're going to talk about the year 2019 in professional wrestling, and I am joined by two of my good friends, one Mr. Archie Mitchell and Mr. David Gold. Gentlemen, thank you for being on the show again. You've both been on once, and now you're on together, so... Thank you for having us, Nate. Tied one to one. Does that mean this show's going six hours? <laughs> I, I told them 24. I, I thought we might go a full day. <laughs> it might be like WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah. We were talking, actually, we were talking off the air, Archie. You mentioned uh, Wrestle Kingdom is two days. I've been saying yep. for like two years that they should do that with Mania at this point. Just make it a two day event. I mean, it's not a bad idea. I mean, if you're going to want to rush through 15 matches but yet you're making it seven hours long right you might as well just break it down into two three hour days you know yeah and it, i think it would be i think it would be better for the crowd response by the end of the show because i think sometimes the, the, at the end of the show the negative crowd response isn't i mean it could be the main event's fault but it's not even necessarily the main event that's fault the people are are they're fatigued so they're going to be annoyed by every little thing that isn't I, what they want to see exactly. Mania 35 here in Jersey, and um, after the um, the world title match, mm-hmm. not Rob versus Seth, uh, I was ready to go home. And then I remembered, oh, wait, the women still have the main event. Right. <laughs> and I, I mean, they put on a decent show, except for the, the botched ending. I mean, that and that really wasn't Becky's fault. It was Ronda's, uh, in my opinion, on the way leaving. These people were in, in such a zombified mode. A gentleman stepped on my foot while another one pushed me down the stair, and I twisted my ankle. Jesus. <laughs> because that's how in a hurry they were to get out of MetLife Stadium. And right. I didn't, I didn't want to yell because I thought if I fought or I argued with somebody, well, we're at WrestleMania. We might as well go, go for it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> Let's have a match right now. I know. You what have... Archie meant to say is, is he tried to get into the ring, and a like, security guard tackled him. Right, and right, exactly. his <laughs> I think WWE would argue that WrestleMania is already three days, considering you have access, and then you also have the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. ceremony, and, and then, then you have WrestleMania for seven hours. I think they'll argue they already have that, and then some people make it an entire week. Right, right, um, and then all and the uh, all the other this year it's in Florida, so all, there are going to be a lot of people, possibly all, myself as well, going down. Oh yeah, week. and all the other wrestling shows and things going on around that it spawns, it's become such a um, a 
phenomenon, you know, as far as the the, the week of WrestleMania goes. I, I, Archie, I know you and I, I discussed it with you when you were on the show. To me, it almost seemed, I, I, you know, as a wrestling fan growing up, it was always like my dream to go to Mania, and now it, it almost seems like it'd be a pain, too much of a pain in the ass. And I know you said it wasn't that bad, but it, it, it's not horrible. But you got, and it's not about, you know, bathroom, going to the bathroom, because obviously we're adults. We can get up and go to the bathroom and right. pick what we want to. <laughs> and it's not about eating because there's a concession stand behind you or you you have food with you. But there is, when you're at home and you're watching TV, wrestling on TV, if you choose to fast forward to a bad 20 minute match, you can. Right. When you're watching it live anywhere, whether it be WrestleMania or. Raw, or you go to a, an independent show, there is no fast forward, you know, so you're stuck sitting there watching it. So now, when you sat through that bad 20 minute match and you look and go, wait, there's still five more matches on the card, Fuck. you know, I'm ready to go home now because that took the wind out of everybody's sails. I'm ready to get, but then you remember, oh, but I haven't seen the match I'm here to watch, you know, and I'm, it just, it can become a, a bit of a fiasco. Yeah. I can totally see that just from just from just from seeing you know everything on TV and 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 reading reading uh, posts from people and stuff like that. Like I said, I I think I, I mean I live in Ohio. I think if 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 for some reason Mania ever comes to Indy again, I probably make that trek. But I don't know if I'll drive three, four, or five hours to go and and uh, experience that. But well. Like David said, if you're going to make a week out of it or even a three-day weekend out of it, like on a Thursday and stay until Monday, then it's worth it because you're you're experiencing the Hall of Fame, the the Access Tour, mm-hmm. uh, WrestleMania, and at its at its whole. Some people do NXT or the independent events. That was the one thing I regretted not doing while Mania was here. It was me, Pat, Petey, uh, uh, Matthew Gore, uh, Henry Sugars, Matt DaCosta. And then Chris Trost was here, and a bunch of other guys, Clayton Garraway, Jamin Wooten, Mickey DZ. We we could have seen like 14 different shows for little or no money because at the ending before the Hall of Fame opened, they had tickets for $10 just so they could sell out. Right. And the Ring of Honor show went down to $10 too, and that was only in New York. And it was like, why didn't we do any of this? I mean, granted, we hung out, we drank, we partied, but... Like, why didn't we take in the whole wrestling atmosphere? Yeah. And I guess it's because we caught up being together. But we should have enjoyed it because we're always in – me and Petey are always in New Jersey, so we know what's here. We should have done more in the wrestling yeah, aspect of t- it. Take advantage of what's in town. Yeah. Right. It, it, doesn't come, it doesn't come around here that often. The last time I they think was 29. The problem also with it is is that you, you might have um, – we're outside for a lot of it, drinking and enjoying. But then when you kind of went into the stadium, you guys split up. Yes. And honestly, if you're with a group of five, six, seven people, and this is what we're actually going to try to do, is get seats next to one another. Of course, it doesn't have to necessarily be ringside, which would be amazing. But Oh, of course. Um, I think that also kind of, not saying you weren't next to someone you enjoyed or whatever the case may be, and you enjoyed the time before, but when you're in a show for seven hours and you're having a boring match, you can turn next to the dude next to you or the guy next to you and y'all can have a conversation. You could make commentary up, right. You, you can, can judge. Just, I mean, yeah, you can go, by right. God, she fell. You know, right. you can just do really ridiculous stuff and like just laugh and go, you know what? This is, this match is terrible, but it's enjoyable because now we're making fun of it. Like, oh, look, she just farted. Ha ha. That's the advantage for me and my brother when we go to, to, uh, uh, 
uh, indie shows or house shows or what have you to get to talk about it for the podcast. Since there's just the two of us, we always, you know, I always wind up getting the two seats together. So like you said, David, when there's a shit match in the ring or, or downtime or whatever, we just crack on the crowd or crack on the wrestlers or crack on the show or just crack each other, you know, and enjoy yourself. Some, even, 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 a, even a shitty wrestling show is the best, still to me, the best form of entertainment anyway. Oh, but. definitely. <laughs> oh, I mean, you've seen some great moments on some of these shitty shows. You know, some of the biggest dudes jumping over ropes and crashing through tables and mm. almost killing somebody. It's like, dude, he almost died. You know, it's like freaking awesome. For, I mean, and, he, and, he did that, like, and he did that for 20 bucks and a pack of Newports, you know. Right. I'm just saying <laughs> that guy ended up in AEW in the, in the Battle Royal. Um, so obviously, uh, they, they saw, they're like, wait a minute, 600 pound guy that can go over the top rope, sign that guy immediately. Yeah, we, we need you him know? now. And can, and, like, and can we pay the guy with no arms and no legs less? Cause you know, no. I mean, that was awesome though. How he was like getting kicked around. That was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. That was horrible. That, it was, it was awesome. I laughed, but after a while I started thinking about it. I'm like, so wait, we we can't offend anybody, but we can do this. It <laughs> just reminded me of Monty Python. You know, that was it. That's why I thought it was great. I'll bite your shins, you know. Come back here. You know, it was just... It's merely a flesh wound. Yeah. We, uh, my, my brother and I and, like, five other guys got tickets to see House of Hardcore, which is Tommy Dreamer's mm-hmm. uh, uh, company. And we went down, and of course, like you guys said, a lot of the first four or five matches were like really bad because it was guys we had never seen. And then in the fourth match, this this four hundred pound guy literally went on the top rope and pulled off from a, a four fifty spot. <laughs> it's always and that the whole crowd lit up yelling three oh five live because how did you do? You know what I mean? You're you're over that bit. You can't be that big doing it. You're not Vader. It's always you know that. I mean? It's always that guy on an indie show though. It's always that guy right. that comes out and you're like, oh, he's looking at the crowd. I ain't shit. You're like, what a shitty gimmick. Look at his, you know, look at his physique, blah, blah, oh, blah. Right. And then he just amazes you. And then you're you're hooked and you're a mark. And that's what wrestling's all about. <laughs> my, and then my, you realize he's 22 and he's not going to do that a couple years from now. So, yeah. And Vince, Karen, you know, Vince signs him, lose 400 pounds, and then he comes out and. Or he wrestles like Andre did later in his career, you know. Yeah. Like Vince is just like, all right, you're just gonna do some headlocks and chops. You're gonna talk funny, so no one can understand you. It's good um, shit, pal. We this we is gonna be to your that, gimmick, pal. You're oh, gonna puke. He's gonna puke. You know. We went to that show under the prompt. My brother's like, Matt Riddle's gonna be there, and I, I legitimately, and I'm sorry, at the time because this was like three and a half, four years ago. I said, Who's Matt Riddle? <laughs> And he said, "Oh, he's this UFC guy. He's great. He's 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 hilarious." And he's this. I'm like, "Okay." So I go there, and Matt Riddle's supposed to be in the main event, and this guy comes out. I think it was like supposed to be the promoter because it wasn't Tommy Dreamer. And he's like, "Matt Riddle couldn't be here because he's now signed under a WWE contract to NXT." I'm like, "Oh, okay." I'm like, "So the guy I just paid twenty bucks isn't here?" <laughs> but we did get somebody else on loan from the WWE, and the next thing I know, Matt Hardy walked out, and I'm like, "Oh, well, this, this makes it even better." Damn! Did <laughs> they push someone into legs? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he did. He he came out. I'm like, "Okay, so wait a minute. I get to see Bubba Ray Dudley, Tommy Dreamer, and Matt Hardy in the main event." I'm like, "Okay, you know what? This is worth more than twenty dollars." You know. And that's the thing with with shitty indie shows. You never know who's going to pop up no, on them. There's no. one coming now in Jersey 
where Jimmy Valen's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Or not Jimmy Valen. Uh, uh, they got Boogie Woogie. Yeah, what's Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy like, Valiant. Yeah. Yeah, the Boogie Valiant. And I'm like, wow, Mercy, really? Mercy, I didn't baby. even know he was still alive. He was He was at the last um, at the last convention I went to. Um, um, he looks like the ghost of Jimmy Valiant at this point. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, he's still kicking. Um, <laughs> it looks like he weighs, it looks like he weighs 98 pounds soaking wet. He's, he's like all, he's like all beard at this point, but here's the bad, he's 98 pounds. I guarantee you, he won't come off the top rope, but the 400 pounder <laughs> will come off over earlier in the night. The worst part is going to MCW and DiBiase's supposed to be there. And then you get inside and they're like, and it's well, he had a family emergency with his brother and we're like, oh, okay. We got Brutus to replace him. And we went, oh. Can we get our money back? Yeah, can, can we, we not meet Brutus? <laughs> <laughs> David, that was after the whole Brutus scenario, right? After it was after his knee. He was there doing. They they got him to replace MDM, and we're like, we walked out to the main lobby, and we went up to the guy because they, you know, they have those little cheapy boxes because mm-hmm. they take cash, and we're like, can we get a refund because we didn't know MDM wasn't coming? And they're like, sure, we'll give refunds to anyone that's disappointed. Like, absolutely, because. You replaced him with Brutus. Anybody. You could have got Sonny up in here and we would have been happy. No, Brutus. No, thank you. You you could have brought the woman who played Sapphire. We might have been okay. Don't bring me Brutus tomorrow. I mean, shoot, I I, would have taken Vicky Guerrero. She would have walked in and went, excuse me. I'd have been like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'd have been been great. But no, you get Brutus. And I'm like, meh. They got uh, Brutus there for a sandwich and five dollars. That wasn't even a, a twenty dollars. And then he's like, "Oh, forty-five dollars for my signature." I'm like, "You've lost your mind, bro." <laughs> I mean, and sometimes then, these guys think that like you're gonna, you know, and and it's like, you know, Virgil walks up, "Hey, you want a signature? You want a signature?" Like you'll be talking to other wrestlers, and he'll just like squeeze in, like, "Hey, hey." Yeah, the last you know? the last show I went to, I watched him finagle this guy, and he like he. He, I'm just sitting there watching. You know, you sometimes as as um, as fans and especially me as a broadcaster, when I go to something, unfortunately, doing a podcast. Whenever I go to anything, I'm also in work mode because I want to talk about it on my show. So I'm okay. I'm I'm half enjoying and half like hardcore observing things. And I I watch this guy walking with his phone, and I watch Virgil Virgil Virgil. Totally hornswoggle this dude. He walks up to him, offers to take a selfie with him. The guy takes the selfie, and then Virgil says, uh, "Can I get twenty bucks for that?" Like the guy wasn't even intending <laughs> on getting his picture with Virgil. Virgil just, "I'll give you a yeah. selfie," and then asked for the money afterward. And the motherfucker gave him twenty bucks. It was like, "Damn!" I put it up like, "Here's five. Go away." I need to hire. I, need, I actually need to hire Virgil as a salesman for me, really, because. <laughs> Yeah, I met him in 2005, and um, I was really pissed because it turns out it to be the, a good thing, actually, because I found an, a Virgil Hasbro for, like, 15 bucks at one of the vendors. Mm-hmm. And I walk over, and I'm like, I'm going to get out of here with a pretty cheap, you know, signature. I met King Kong Bundy, got my classic Jack sign, and he only charged 30 Virgil's like, well, it's 40 bucks. I'm like, you know, I already bought the figure, so I paid Virgil the $40. Turns out, of course, about 10 years later, I noticed it was a dually. So, um, you know, it's two languages for some of us who don't know what duallys are. But um, it's, it makes it a little more rare, even though the card looks like I sat on it and drove a car <laughs> over it. But um, it's um, 
pretty interesting that what he how his charges just change all the time. Mm-hmm. So, and very, he's probably charged more now because he's under contract with AEW, so he's probably can <sighs> get whatever he wants now. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure that uh, that banner he takes around with him that has him and uh, Ted DiBiase on it also now says AEW yeah. on it somewhere. It probably yeah. says AEW Superstar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we mm-hmm. we, uh, we went to a, another indie event, which it's um, which is called Wrestle Pro, which is actually a, a decent company now here in Jersey because Pat Buck, the owner, is now a producer with the WWE. Uh, Kurt Hawkins used to be a coach there. You know what I mean? So, and I know a lot of the guys, and I, I went in there. And I'm going there to meet Mick Foley, the Dudley Boys. Uh, I know Jake the Snake is going to be there, so who doesn't want to meet Jake the Snake? And I, we go to take a picture with Dudley Boys, and there's like five of us in the picture. Dudleys are cool with it because we, we, we each paid them 20 bucks each, so it's not like we're getting it just for 20 bucks for five of us. And the next thing I know, the guy taking the picture is dying laughing. And I don't know why he's dying laughing. So we're all having a good time. We're, and he gives me back my camera. He's like, look at the picture. Like, okay, I look down at the picture. I'm like, came out great. Thank you. I mean, he's like, look to the right. And Jake the Snake is photobombing us. <laughs> and then we got done with the picture. I'm like, wow, that's like the coolest thing ever. Like, Jake the Snake is in our picture. And I'm like, what do we owe you? He's like, you don't owe me shit unless you want another picture with me. I just wanted to do something. I was bored over here. There's nobody on my line. Kind of the same thing. Kind of the same thing happened to me with Jim Cornette and Jeff Jarrett. I, I went to a convention, got a picture taken with Cornette. And then um, got a picture taken with Jarrett. Well, okay. I got a picture taken with Cornette. And then when I went to get my picture taken with Jarrett, Cornette was also, you know, kind of bullshitting with Jarrett at his booth. So Cornette snuck in the picture. So I got a picture with Jim Cornette and Jeff Jarrett together and a picture with each one of them separately. So it was like, all right, well. And Jimmy didn't ask me for any extra money. So... (laughs) You know, when they're nice, when they, they want to be nice guys and they're not really there for the money, they aren't asking for anything extra. They just want to be recognized that they're there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Did Jared try to steal your wife, though? Just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's... And did Cornette bitch about false finishes for 20 minutes? <laughs> and make Rachel slurp? <laughs> Good God. You know, I got I to gotta ask you guys something. I need your opinion on something because I'll be honest with you. I didn't find it racist. The statement that he made on NWA Power, did no, either one of you guys we, find it we, racist? We, we discussed it on the show a couple of weeks ago. My opinion on it is, I think that the intent was not racist. It was a joke he's been telling for 30 years. It's a starvation right. joke. It's a starvation joke. It's not a black joke. And right. uh, granted, it's it's out of date. You know, it's a Reagan administration joke. However, right. um, the, 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 the thing about the joke is, Lord, oh Lord, if he would have just said donuts or bologna sandwich or anything any other food all all of a sudden it's not a deal a deal it's not an it's not an issue you know so you replace the fried chicken with any other food it's not a racist joke it's a starvation joke and that's i i agree i think that it was overblown i think it was a a a symptom of pc culture and it was right. also a fuck up on the the end of the NWA because I mean right. how many how many people yeah how many people did that go through you know and then they went through their whole editing team and they didn't put it on they didn't take it out because they didn't think it was racist when Aaron is way too fucking drunk when we're recording one of these shows and he says shit that I think is not going to go over well with listeners right. I edit it out I listen to it and I edit it out because sometimes that happens. It happens. <laughs> 
I think the problem is is that everyone is very sensitive nowadays and sensitivity has is taken you know a lot of people are like for example they're they're look the Lashley Lana storyline is miserable okay really I'm just gonna point that out I'm not because of what they're doing how it's being presented the the scenario the the things that come along with it, it it's already gotten stale it's not good they're trying to copy Liz and Macho Man. It didn't work out um, in a different way, of course. Right. But the problem is, is that people are, are saying, we really want the Attitude Era back. We love all this stuff. We want edgier product. This is what we want. Right. And then when they do it, I see thousands of comments. Oh, my God. I can't believe you did that. Oh, my God. I can't, no. believe, I can't believe Lana's crotch was showing for 10 minutes. I can't believe. I'm like, are you kidding me? Sable had her breast painted with a handprint. <laughs> right. And people are sitting here crying about Lana's underwear M- and, M- and her Miss, legs being open. Miss Kitty showed their titties a... on a pay-per-view. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, At least we have to pay for that. let's be real here. Jackie, her boob came out every single match she was in. Oh, yeah, yeah right? without a doubt. At, at, a certain um, point, at a certain point, it's not a botch. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what was her name in ECW? Every time she got in the ring, she bent over the rope, showed her ass. I oh, mean, uh, Francine. Look, Francine. Francine. And, and, or every time she got a pile driver from Tommy Dreamer, because he loved pile driving Francine for whatever Nate, reason. Nate, Dreamer, how like, hey. did we know that name? That was, it was too creepy. It was really, yeah. it was really well, quick. Well, everyone knows. I just couldn't, I couldn't put a ring to it, but I also remember, like, frequently Tommy Dreamer would pile driver her and like every time it would be like oh look her skirt came up while he was doing the maneuver you know but nonetheless everyone's a little people are sensitive and I think to Nate's point had it been like something else you know other than fried chicken it probably would have passed I, I agree with you I agree with you both but this is the way I looked at it Jim Cornette is a 60 year old southerner and right. that'd be like if my, my like uh, my, uh, both my granddads are, are passed away, but my my granddad would have been uh, right now he would have been eighty three. So if someone would have found something that my granddad said offensively in this day and age, their main thought would have been, well, he's senile and stupid, and he doesn't know what he's saying. He's just caught in an older time. Jim Cornette was is just, like I said, sixty years old and southern. He's gonna say those kind of right. things. That's his normal conversation. You know yes, what I mean? That's just yeah. what he does. Yeah, so, but he and has it's on to the NWE. Careful. It's not like he was doing it towards somebody in like there. There used to be a company called the Urban Wrestling Company. He wasn't doing it directly at a at a, a an African American gentleman. It was directed at Trevor Murdoch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like. How upset could he really have gotten people? It was, it was definitely, yeah, it was definitely just a symptom of, of a current silly environment that we live in. Because I mean, I mean, honestly, I grew up in, I grew up in an in an inner city area. I grew up in uh, the north end of Toledo, Ohio. It's, a, it's an, it's a. I mean, you know, I went to the, I went to the high school with the, with the metal detectors every day, you know, and bars okay. on the windows and blah blah blah. So anyway, I grew up in an ethnically, ethnically diverse area. Um, my friends were ethnically diverse. Um, we're still friends, all friends today, even though we live far apart from each other. My, my, the point I'm getting to is, back then, we we would make jokes about each other. And nobody took well, it offensively. Right. Nobody took it the wrong way. We just did it because I don't... I, I can find five 500 reasons to hate a motherfucker before I even get to the color of his skin. You know what right. I mean? And, and right. I don't know, I just... I think that... that 
something happened along the way. I don't know what it was um, where we've come to a point now where everything goes through this, this cheesecloth, you know, and, and yeah, but see, I wish I could say you, you and I, I do agree with you to a certain extent. I'm sorry for cutting you off. There, oh no, man. not at all. Not at all. See, if it would have been, cause I mean, I read every comment on every message board on every YouTube post and every, you see, if it would have been like a predominantly African American standpoint of he offended them, there was no black people saying that he offended them. No. These were millennials who didn't want to hear what Jim Cornette had to say. Mm-hmm. And that 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 is that is a good point. Most of the it's so funny to me that most of the outrage about racism in this country comes from white people. Right. You know, I I don't know. It, yeah. But just imagine some of the stuff that wouldn't wouldn't fly on TV now that. One no, of, we didn't even notice when we would watch. Yeah, no, like one the of, Godwins one of, had Confederate flags on there. Or one of my favorite, higher. one of my favorite you know. gimmicks, one of my favorite gimmicks of all time would never make it to television today, and that's slick. Oh no, not at all. Akeem, definitely not. Yeah. The Nation it. of Domination, it. definitely not. Well, I just watched something on YouTube. It was the Nation of Domination when uh, they didn't know if it was DX or the Heart Foundation busted up their dressing room. Oh, yeah, I remember that with they the graffiti on the and the... Thing. And then during the interview, while the, everybody was talking, Bret Hart, uh, Shawn Michaels called Bret Hart the, the, the Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> and well, like, I can't say it on air, of course, but think about the... the when um, Booker T was backstage and right. Vince walks by and he's like, what's right. up? You know, yeah. right. that was only like, what, 15 years ago? Yeah. And, you know and I mean? Vince so. caught heat for it. People were outraged, but they realized that he wasn't saying it as a derogatory statement. It was, to be, was close enough to Booker T. It was to be. But if com- he did it, was, it now, Vince would be, would be gone from his own company. And, they would and, imprison him. And it was for the sake of comedy. It's just like a discussion we had on the show uh, maybe six months ago and we talked about our favorite comedy movies, you could never make Blazing Saddles today. No. Even though the entire movie, it, the the entire movie is a parody of ignorant racists. Right. People today would look at it at the movie itself as racist. Yeah. The but... only way that movie could be made today is if it was done oppositely. Right. Meaning they took an all-black cast and threw one white person in it, or yeah. a, a Hispanic, or... You know, something like that. There would be no way for it to be done the way it was done in the seventies, right? Absolutely, or sixties or whenever it came out. And to my I mean? it, and to my mind, it's the funniest movie ever made. And what a lot of people fail to realize about that movie is all the jokes about black people in that movie were written by Richard Pryor, and all the right. jokes about white people in that movie were, were written by Mel Brooks. So it wasn't even you know the black guy was writing the black jokes and the white guy was white writing the white right. jokes. Right. And Dave Chappelle. I mean, look, his show was on from 2000 to 2004. Mm-hmm. All of his jokes were directed at every single person, every single race. Right. And it was hilarious. Yeah. Right. And he nowadays, he, he does some of that still to an extent, but he's had to tone it down quite a bit. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. So yeah, those... it's just we're in a time where, and I think, honestly, it's going to go back. Like, if you think about it, you know, the 90s was like it wasn't just wrestling in the 90s that was like so out there it was everything everything, everything. wild in the 90s like Pete, and you got to think about it, in the 80s a g movie nowadays is rated pg-13 like i'm watching g movies and i see a nipple and i'm like wait that's not g that's pg-13 <laughs> right you know things have really 
more sensitivity, you know. I mean, if you even go back 40 years before that, I mean, they were playing with leather helmets and people were getting beat with switches, you know. It's right. like, <laughs> you can't even yell at a kid in an appropriate way without getting arrested now for child abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just the time I, we live in and you have to be... Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you have to be very careful. I'm going to say it here and I'm not going to edit it out because it, it's I'm fine with this. I'm fine with being this way. I hate woke culture. Hate it. Because it is, first of all, the the first thing that white that woke culture is going to do is it, it's already happening. I do not. I, I used. I am. I am a humongous fan of comedy. I'm a student of comedy. I love comedy. Three. There are not good comedy movies made anymore. No. So to my to my point, what I'm trying to say is woke culture is stifling creativity. Oh yeah. Um. And, oh, yeah. and that's that's gonna be that's gonna be, I'm sad for my kids. My daughter's 21. My son is 17. I'm sad for them because they don't. Even if they were creative enough to write something really funny, somebody would shit on it, call it call it a not PC, and right. throw it and out. Edit it <laughs> yeah. heavily and yeah. call it their own. And it's sad. It really is because, like I said, I mean, it's it's just. It's they don't make you don't get to make good funny movies anymore. You don't I don't know stand up comedy. You know I mean. Oh, but we can have as many horror films as possible talking about the devil and yeah. and Satanism, you know Satanism and all that. That that's okay though. But we can't. We can't have a good know. laugh. We can't have a good no, laugh. Can't have a good laugh. Can't can't see a good uh, uh, action movie anymore because if it's not a, a and. Ladies, if you're listening, pardon me. If there's not a female lead that's just as empowered as the man, then oh, you made the women feel bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Aren't she sleeping on the couch tonight? Um, <laughs> further news. No, his wife listens. You say the writers are stifled. It's the truth, though, because look at wrestling as a whole. Mm-hmm. Okay, we wrote Lashley and Lana. Okay, it, it's a it's a white woman. It's an African American man. Rusev is Bulgarian. No one should be offended by this. Nobody is. We're saying it's bad writing. We're not calling them, you know, saying anything bad about the characters. Exactly. But I, I will say that Lana is the shittest actress in the world. She yeah. can't. She screams when, way too much, and you know. When the story started, I was intrigued, and about three weeks in, I was done with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just it was like, oh, this could be good. Nope, not at all. Not. Cool. And then this week. The problem is, is that there's no more, um, everything is, the the shock factor's gone because you have everything on the internet, and then she's on Total Divas, which is where she lost her accent to begin with, so Mm. WWE just gave up on her Russian accent entirely because she didn't do it on the show. Oh, and nobody mentioned it. And like three weeks from now, you're going to see Lana with her husband, Rusev, on the show, on Total Divas, and it's going to be like, oh, all right, so I thought they were divorced, so... It's gone. Like the kayfabe, the it's but, just oh, it's not what it used to be. But look at look at this now. Okay, we have, except for her being a shitty actress, and her being on Total Divas, we're not offending anybody. And then this week they pull off that god awful main event uh, skit that they did, mm-hmm. and they bring little Liv Morgan out, who waited six months to come out and do anything. And she tried her best. She actually did pull up, put up a compelling role as the. Oh yeah, she's she's good. I like Liv. She's really good. But then, did you see what everybody's complaining about? It's the lesbian, you know. Right. Thing. No one gave. Why? Why wasn't Sonya Deville offered this role because she's actually a lesbian? 
Well, here's why, because I wrote this on a message board to someone who was complaining about it. I said, well, Liv Morgan happens to actually be a very talented wrestler. Oh, Liv Morgan is a talented wrestler. And they gave her a role that they thought that she can do. On the same part, Sonya Deville is a great athlete and wrestler. And if she's given the time to speak and to actually wrestle, she won't have to get over on being a lesbian. She can get over on being a real athlete. Yes. She doesn't have to use her sexuality or sexual preference to be, oh, I'm Sonya Deville. I was the lesbian in the the Lashley uh, angle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why complain about that? You know, right. nobody complained when Will and Grace had a straight actor playing a gay guy mm-hmm. <laughs> for all those years. The problem years is, is they're not letting the the angle play out yet either because we don't know. Because it could go one of two ways. It could be okay, she really truly is a lesbian. Okay, fine. Right. Or it could go the opposite way where she just came out to fuck the wedding over. Right. And she's on Rusev's side. Right, right, or, which is what I'm thinking of where it's going. But see, that's what worries me, David, because they could very easily ruin this. Because if we think back to a couple of years ago, they tried this with Rusev and Lionel, with Dolph Ziggler and Summer Rae, and all that ended up happening is Summer Rae got fired, and Dolph Ziggler went into purgatory. Mm-hmm. Well, if they play, had they done it the appropriate way, you had two ways you could have done this whole thing. First of all, you ruined Nikki Cross completely. You got her out of Sanity, which was a, a tremendous group, and you screwed and you, all that you up. Let Sanity go their separate ways too. That was they didn't even leave the group together. It was terrible. When you could have d- kept them together on the main roster for a, lo- a lot longer, and Nikki Definitely. Cross would have been great. Or you could have made Nikki Cross um, Sister Abigail because right. she's just this crazy enough to pull it off. In fact, right. I would say she's better at pulling it off than Liv would have been. Um, or you could have had Liv Morgan be Sister Abigail, but that's what everyone expected. So now you're getting the shock factor. And look, I wasn't on board with um, The Fiend at first. I hated the Mr. Rogers feel. But then when they started kind of going into how deep it was and how, you know, they were kind of digging into, oh, he's kind of got a multiple personality and all that stuff. Right. It started coming out. And at first, no one, it was 50-50. There were a lot of people that were like, oh, I love it. This is great. Then there was another 50% that was like, what is this BS? Like, what what is going on here? Uh, I mean, are we doing, I mean, is this Tom Hanks? You know? Um, Right. So I, you know, to me, it would have been a better opportunity for them to make one of those women on his side, but they could have, they should have done that a little while ago because now it doesn't make sense for him to have a valet. Yeah. And you've you've screwed the pooch with both of them on as far as going that way too. And they can't use the system. I don't know if either one of you are aware of this. I don't. I don't. I'm sure you guys watch a lot of YouTube. I know I do. Uh, uh, I've watched like what what culture and culture holic and things. A young lady who was an independent wrestler like two years ago went and trademarked the name Sister Abigail, and it uses it as her um, character on the Indies, hoping that WWE would have signed her. And that's why they have to call it Abby the Witch now, not Sister Abigail. I see. So well, that that's interesting, but we all know that money talks. So <laughs> well, they offered no. Da Vince offered her thousands and thousands of dollars to give it up and to let him have the trademark. She told him, "No, I'll only give it up if I have the, if I can get a job, and then you can have the trademark. And even if you fire me, I I, I won't take it back." And you know, and he said there because she's really green and like you know not WWE material. And he said, there's no way I can offer you a job. You're holding the, the 
uh, copyright um, ransom, basically. Right. Honestly, sometimes I question Vince's decision making on talent to begin with, but <laughs> well, that's, that's true. a whole other discussion. That's true. He's the genius um, that pushed Roman Reigns for years and years. So I mean, there, there's a lot of people that will question some of the the guys that he's either ruined, you know, like what he did to Eugene. Um, tremendous talent, and he gives him that type of uh, story. Yeah, he made it I will say this: Eugene did make it work. There was just nowhere else for him to go after that. I mean, right. I believe his name was Nick Denmore, or what's Nick, what is Din- Dinsmore. Dinsmore. Nick Denmore. Den- okay. yeah. yep. So I believe he would. I mean, he would have. I mean, he was a world champ in the Indies and tremendous talent and great in the ring. And I, I get it. He did make that work, but and if they could, once you did that, there's no going back from it. Unless you know a story where he got fixed. If, somehow, they, if, they, could, if I mean? they could right. have, if they could have with him, if you go back and watch he and um, Rob Conway would have been an amazing tag team of some kind. Cause they were the ones that actually did the, uh, the conquistadors gimmick. Um, in like, I think, Oh, three, I, it was like oh three oh four. It was before the Eugene gimmick. But when they tag teamed as the Conquistadors, they were a great tag team. So you know you could have had those two guys in a great tag team, and instead you give Rod Rob Conway the stupid French sympathizer gimmick, and you give and Nick Dinsmore Eugene. Don't forget that. Yeah, yeah, the con man. Just Mr. Ass uh, all over again. Yeah, I did. I did like that entrance music, though. I thought that entrance. Yeah, music the entrance was fun. music was fine. It, it was. It was like a. Ran, it was like a. Ran, it was like a Randy are Newman you song. About the music entrance music, I think you're talking about. It's the. Oh, um, look at me. Just look that at one. me. It's like yeah. It's like oh. ran, it's like a Randy Newman song. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Uh, is that the one when he did the Chuck and Billy gimmick? Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, hold, on, hold on, I got. I gotta find it. Let me see. You, if I... you look so good to me. Oh my goodness, that was terrible. Terrible. And Billy got oh. hated it so much, but he still played along with it. But you that know, was just. You mentioned... Oh, what did they do to Chuck Palumbo? Oh my poor guy. Um. You you mentioned the, the chemistry that he had with with uh, Rob Conway, Nick Dinsmore. Uh-huh. And that's because they did have chemistry because of the indies. Rob right. Conway, Nick Dinsmore, and the Basham brothers, Doug and Danny, owned OVW, which was the WWE development talent, uh, the development for WWE. Right. Mm-hmm. And they all worked together as a four-man group, and they actually were stealing the show. And that's why they got called up. But then to do what they did to, like you said, Nick Dinsmore and Rob Conway, which I just found the song... Um, here, David. No. <laughs> oh, that one. Yeah, it's terrible. It's, that's even worse than the other one I just sang. Um, <laughs> now, for those of us who haven't watched, though, on the network, they do have some OVW on there. Yes. Um, and, and there's a lot of good shows, on, a lot of good crossovers from the main roster on there. Um, there's a taker match on there, and he does, you know he doesn't wrestle off the main roster very often. Right. Um, there's some good stuff. Yeah, on I think there, he. So I think it, really I think there. he did one of their Six Flags shows um, to help to help out because they did they did they used to yeah. do shows at Six Flags. Um, discussing 2019, I guess if I'm going to roll into a story to discuss, um, let's start off by talking about and. I'm sure we're all going to have varying opinions here, and that's what that's what this is about. Let's talk about AEW. Oh, I'm so happy you're starting here. 
a great place to start because yes. I'm going to yes, have a is. difference of opinion between both of you on this one. David or David, would you like to start? Uh, it depends on what he means. You're, are you asking what, about what, what I'm what now? I'm, what, I'm, what I'm asking is general? okay. What I'm asking, is, I guess I'll I'll, I'll I'll sum it up this way. Um, super excited about the beginning because it was like okay. We've got a major wrestling corporation backed by a billionaire. Let's see what happens because, you know, those of us, like us guys that lived through the Monday Night Wars, this is what we love, competition in wrestling. So we're looking at, what, 14, 15 weeks later after the debut. Okay. October. Mm -hmm. When we started to now, what's the assessment so far? My humble opinion is is that, AEW pushed the envelope. They put a lot of emphasis and a lot of work uh, because I was one of the ones that was lucky enough to go to their first show in D.C. Um, Amazing atmosphere. Um, The the, the atmosphere was amazing. The fans were popping the entire show. You don't see that in a lot of the WWE events because I've been to a lot of those as well. Um, I would tell you, in terms of the women's division, WWE has them trumped tenfold but that's only because AEW hasn't signed enough talent yet. Um, of course, the controversy of, you know, of the, you know, obviously. I don't want to go into detail on that, but you know the controversy of the women's division there. The band one. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> I, I just think that, that WWE has a better woman women's division, but also WWE has... Um, <clears throat> No, they have a lot of more years on AEW. And I don't think, I think at first Cody was very zoned in on, I'm going to compete. I'm going to beat WWE. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then eventually he kind of just thought to himself and said, look, I want to be the alternative. I'm not worried about what they're doing. And to me, um, the first couple shows had a lot of um, shots at WWE, right? You know, he breaks the, the first pay-per-view, breaks the chair with the sledgehammer, right, right? on his entrance. Which was cool. Um, which was great. Um, the first show was amazing. The atmosphere was great. Out The mega Moxley stuff, Moxley showing up, amazing, good stuff, great show. It's died, the hype has died out a little bit um, up till now. But my assessment is is that the, the AEW is going is someone in the wrong someone in the wrong direction lately because they they haven't built their stories, but has WWE either right? So, but right now because of WWE having the network and all that going for them, AEW is not able to compete with that t- those type of things right now, and I think right now they're more of an ROH, they're more of a you know, on Wednesdays, it's nice to have both. I'm ecstatic because that gives opportunities to more people to get in. And it gives, comp- but it's not a competition at WWE and it won't be for several years until they start really building the stories and building the characters and signing some more talent. And you're going to need some more people outside of Moxley and Jericho. You know what I mean? You're going to have to get some bigger names. And that's what they're trying to work on, but it's going to take time. And yeah, they might have a billionaire backing them, but it's the billionaire's son that's backing them. Right. Um, and but he, this is different than what Ted Turner did. Ted Turner said, "You do what you want," whereas this guy's heavily involved, and he doesn't like when things happen. Of course, like the Cody chair shot when he mm-hmm. saw that, never again. That's never happening again. You know. Right. Um, he's too heavily involved. 
which could with also you. hurt the show as well. Yeah, but well, I'm going to stop there and let Archie give his opinion. Archie? Well, we can, um, we can debate after we've all given our... <laughs> I, I have to say I'm a fan. Uh, from a fan standpoint, I have enjoyed the product to a certain extent. I'm kind of leaning 50-50 on the product because All In was absolutely amazing. Uh, even though that was without the AEW banner under them, you know, they were just the elite putting on a pay-per-view. Uh, Double or Nothing, finally under the AEW banner, was great. And then everything else they were starting to do and get, you know, to propel themselves into uh, the the first show on television was absolutely perfect. Yes, there was controversy with the women's division because of Nyla Rose. And I believe I talked about this with you, Nate. I feel that it's wrong. And it's not because I feel that it's wrong because she's a woman who used to be a man. That is not what my stance is. I feel that it's wrong for her to be competing at the stage that she is right now, still being so green. Right. I don't feel that she protects the rest of the women on that division enough. I don't feel that she does anything except to try to get herself over. So in that essence, you're willing to kill somebody just so you can become this monster. Well, guess what? There's already a monster on that roster named Awesome Kong. She's been doing it for 15 years, and she protects everybody when she does it, Absolutely. Too. And uh, that's why she's awesome. Anyways. Right. Exactly. Awesome Kong should have been a big star in WWE, but she got pregnant and had to leave. Okay, great. But she's got another opportunity here. And Nyla Rose, who almost killed Riho on Wednesday by putting her through a table very unsafely, should have been made to come up at least in the ranks or on the independent scene rather than Cody Rhodes going, you know what? She's different because she used to be a man. Let's use her. You know what I mean? That's where I feel they're wrong in that. that I agree. I agree to an extent on that one, but I also think that WWE does that a little bit as well. They do. No, I I agree. They do. Zach Gowan to be one of, you know, they used him for being only having one leg, but the kid was amazing. So at least he, you know, was able to do things and freak people out when he did them. Uh, All I see with Nyla Rose is cringe. And again, it's not because of her being a woman who used to be a man. I just feel she's going to kill somebody one day. And then everybody's going to look around and go, oops, and that's going to be it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, uh, yeah put that, her and Lana in the ring. That would be a great match. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, from a different Wilson. standpoint, though, uh, product has been good. I, you know, I've seen people say it's low budget. They're, they're too – it doesn't look right. No, they're, they're not low this, budget. This week's show – you know, it's funny because I don't mean to cut you off, Archie, but oh. this week's show actually to me was the best looking of the show since they've been on TV. Because they were in a small arena. Yes, I like wrestling shows in a smaller arena. So do I. Um, and I, th- I, thought this week, I thought this week's show looked really cool. Gold. Yeah, I thought this week's show looked really cool. Um, Being at their first show, I will tell you – the they first of all they spent most of their money on pyro and cody's um yeah. <laughs> but um the the show did not look low budget at all whatsoever the problem was is that i don't know if it's whom they hired or, or what can't we're used to we're spoiled right wwe has the the most amazing camera angles yeah like, if oh. somebody farted and it went into the air, you would see it in the WWE. WWE's production team is on the on the level with the NFL's production team. Oh, yeah, right. If I went on TV on WWE and I farted, I wouldn't be able to hide it. Like, they'd be like, did this box just move? Oh, and they like, would be like, right? 
they'd put a little bubble next to you. David Gold just farted. Is, yeah, is, that, yeah. is that a golden? Like, oh, is that a golden fart? I see. Moves, you know? <laughs> but in AEW, it was like, we, and even in the crowd, because you know we had really good seats, but we were watching the big screen in in, in intervals. Because when they went to certain parts of the arena, you had to, right? Mm-hmm. So we're watching, and it's like the camera would be on the canvas, and then it would go boop. And then we would miss a maneuver, and then it would jump to the wrestlers. So they were kind of just getting their stuff in order. So I don't know if it's who Cody picked or or whatever the case may be on in terms of the the, the production crew because we get we got pretty spoiled. Um, no, you, know, I, when you go I back and watch some old wrestling, some old old wrestling. When you go back and watch some good stuff, some in independent days back in the eighties, because WWE Network really only goes back to like I think. They have a couple shows from the 70, 76, but um, most of the WWE stuff on the network goes back to, like, 85. But when you go, like, really back, like when they were in Shea Stadium, look at some of those camera angles, and you're sitting there going, we're so spoiled. We're like, wow. Like, I'm looking at Andre's ass right now. Oh, yeah. Really? Like, Dude, go back and watch OCW from 95, 96, and you'll be like, I used to watch this. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, just go ahead and watch a promo. With Kevin Sullivan and Kamala and shit. Right. It's like, oh, we're gonna destroy Hogan. And it's like, wait a minute, is this WWF again? <laughs> right. What are you doing here? Right. You know. <laughs> you know. So again, it's it's not the production. Their production is fine. And David, I will agree with you that it's not the billionaire who's backing them. It's the son of the billionaire. But mm-hmm. this isn't TNA where Dixie Carter was spending mommy and daddy's money. The son actually has control over the money. It, he can say and do what he wants. But he is way too involved. I mean, there's a video yeah. circulating of him, of him delivering a stunner after a show went off the air. And it's like, dude, go sit up in the skybox and watch the damn show. He's the Jerry Jones of the of AEW. Yeah, you're, you're too involved. But see, this is the other qualm that I have with them. Again, I'm a fan. I watch NXT and AEW every Wednesday night, whether it's on DVR or on my phone or whatever. Um, they need to get away from being a t-shirt company because that was what everybody was calling them before they started. And what I mean by that is, and I wrote this on on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, Chris Jericho says, a little bit of the bubbly. And the very next day, there's a little bit of the bubbly t- t-shirt out. And it sells thousands. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the young bucks decide, well, we just want to do a t-shirt because we're going to put a deer on the t-shirt and put Young Bucks 2020, and it's out the next day. But meanwhile, the WWE, Tommaso Ciampa walks out and says, Goldie, Daddy's home. And two months later, we get that T-shirt. So that means they had to get a production team together to make that shirt, you know, and, and do it. My point is, I know Pro Wrestling Tees owns a little bit of stock in AEW, but until they stop making those T-shirts that mass-produced and that quickly, they're always going to be a T-shirt company. And people are always going to just look at them as give us money. It's a money grab. They, I they, have to disagree with you here on that one, though. But the WWE does make some shirts pretty damn quick. And on top of that, every episode I'm watching, 50% off on the shop. 25% no, 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 no. I didn't. No, 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 that's not what I said. It's the same not what thing, I said. bro. It's way no, more. No, no, you're right. Money. It's a money. It is a money grab from the WWE. But we've been watching WWE for over 30 years. So if they decide they want to reach into our pockets, to get that new Undertaker shirt, they can. 
you've only been around for three, four months now, maybe a year, because All All In is about to have their anniversary in another few months. They've been you open know. for a year. They celebrated it a week ago. So okay, yeah. they've been open a year, and every day you've got a new T-shirt or a new gimmick that you're pu- pulling out. But meanwhile, I'm not like you know, like Nate said, mm-hmm. they're not found getting a foundation under their, their storylines. Is Cody in a feud with Chris Jericho, Maxwell Jeffrey Fr- Fr- uh, Friedman, uh, or with Dark Order? Because. He's been in a feud with all three of them in the last couple of weeks, and I don't know which way he's going. Right. And, it's a cluster. And that, it's a cluster. It's, you know, uh, Dean Ambrose, pardon me, John Moxley. Uh, <laughs> let's call him Moxley. John, let's call him, about, let's call him John Ambrose. Uh, that sounds like a porn name. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, you, is he going to join the inner circle? Does he want a world title shot? Is he still feuding with Omega? Uh, you know, it's like what. You didn't end anything and restart something new. You just went into it. You know, I need continually or I need closure because as a wrestling fan, without closure, we sit there with questions. And, and that leads into my my critiques. I have critiques and I have likes. And, and the, the, I'll start with the things that I like. Um, I have enjoyed. I have. I, I'm, I'm a huge mark for Chris Jericho. He's in my top three wrestlers of all time. I'm always going to enjoy Chris Jericho. Um, even though he does kind of look like Randy the Ram now, um, but I just said Mick Jagger. But anyway, <laughs> I, I just made a Chris Jericho custom, and I had to use a Jim DeAnvil Nightheart body so I can get the <laughs> making the muscles and things. Did you cave his chest in? No, no but the, the Anvil body has that. It's a puffy stomach with a caved-in <laughs> chest, and then he's got the elbow move- movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yeah. perfect for Jericho. Yeah, baby, it's a little bit of the bubbly. Yeah, um, <laughs> the, the uh, Jericho's been great. Uh, most of Cody has been great. MJF's been great. There are Never. there are there are great things about the show. The, the, my critiques about the show would be this. First is I think that okay, being being a wrestling fan since '83, the way that I know wrestling, and, and again this is like okay, I'm not old guy screaming at the clouds here, but I want I want on on, and that's why I liked this week's show a little better than I've liked a lot of the shows lately. In that I want on TV, I want shorter matches and more story to lead me to a pay-per-view. A lot of what we've gotten in AEW, I don't, when I watch the TV show, and Raw, I criticize Raw for the same thing. So I'm not shitting on AEW any more than I would shit on Raw. The matches on Dynamite are too fucking long. Every match can't be a 25-minute main event. Right. You can't get a five-star with, classic out of everybody. Right. It's not going to happen. With, with 20 <clears throat> high spots. And that, that is my – first of all, that's my biggest problem with the show is sometimes it loses my attention because it, uh, when I'm watching a wrestling TV show, not a pay-per-view, my mind works differently when I'm watching a pay-per-view because those are the matches that are resolving the issue. Um, I don't want to watch four 25-minute matches – on a TV show, I want to watch eight or nine shorter matches, or maybe maybe six shorter matches, and then maybe two longer matches. And I right. want to see some story. I want to see some build. And then the other thing to what you guys were kind of—I think you were heading there earlier—the creative direction. And you said you said David, it's a cluster. And I think the reason is because. AEW has the same problem that WCW did back in the day. There needs to be one person 
that at the end of the day, the script goes through. There are, you know, you have the Young Bucks booking the the tag teams and Kenny booking the women and Cody booking this and this guy. You can't do, that's not going to result in a cohesive TV show. And that's why, like you were saying, Archie, what is Cody's story? Well, I don't know because six people are writing stories for Cody and we're throwing it out on TV. Oh, and and he might end up getting involved in what Brandy's doing somewhere down the line. Right. We don't know. know. And, 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 and that's not. That's not how wrestling stories are told. It doesn't matter. People can talk about, oh, it needs to evolve, blah, blah, blah. But Raven, Raven says one of, has one of my favorite opinions on professional wrestling, and that is, in wrestling, there are really only ever seven stories. True. How you tell that story, you know, who you're using and how you tell that story and how you come at that story can be different, so it looks different. But you know, there's revenge. There's the woman. That you know what I'm saying? Like, you, but you can't tell all seven stories with one fucking guy at the same time, because <laughs> we're gonna go. What am I watching? I don't. I can't even keep up. So I want to see some more DDP getting busted in the head with stop signs, though. That's what I would. <laughs> Good lord, he knocked his ass out. Goodness. You know the the bright spots of the show have been MJF. Yeah, he's the he's the best heel in wrestling. Oh, without a doubt, I watch him on Major League Wrestling as well on MLW, and he's one of the best things on that show as well. MJF is coming up, but he's also the star of the show. Moxley has been good, but they don't really know what direction he's going in yet. Which we all—I mean, look—I'm a cynical wrestler, and like David said, it's on the internet. We see so much of what's going on. We know the inside information. There's no way he's joining the inner circle, right? next week he's going to probably challenge Jericho for the world title now okay great your two biggest stars are about to go at it great but then is Cody feuding with the Dark Order or is he in in a feud with MJF because now he's supposed to fight Wardlow which I that's the stupidest name in wrestling I've ever heard of <laughs> Wardlow sounds like a schoolyard bully who's about to ask me for my lunch money oh no it's Wardlow I mean what really? Uh, okay. Hey, look. He's about pro, to fight pro, pro wrestling tees would say that's a T-shirt. Oh no, it's worth. It probably it probably is gonna be. <laughs> I, if they listen to the show, they're gonna steal my idea. <laughs> Maybe and it'll be out. It's uh, it's already on a shirt right now. It's already on a shirt right now. Exactly. Fifty percent off on WWE shop from belts and belts and shirts. It'll be out. So, okay, that's what Cody's doing right now. Okay, great. That's the, the beginning of a great storyline. He's got to go through the bodyguard to get to MJF. Great. But then the Dark Order is somewhere in the background, which I think that's a decent storyline. But it seems Isn't the Dark Order just a ripoff of what TNA did before? I just hate. I, I hate. That out. Oh, God, mm-hmm. I hate. I, I, I'm sorry. And I know, Coach, uh, Archie, you said you, you dig it, but or a little bit dig it at least. I don't. I can't get on board with those guys. I, I don't know. I, I just... I don't dig it because they look like created wrestlers in 2K19. You know what I mean? <laughs> it but, just looks like a total ripoff from when TNA was doing the whole the guys it, coming out in the, the masks. And the, stuff. The, the, the aces and eights. Yeah, it looks like aces and eights all over again. Yeah, yeah. But see, they, yeah, that's what I mean, David. It's, it feels like they're trying to be the NWO or the you know the aces and eights. It's like, why are you bringing in new members? You have all these guys in black mask, and there's the two main guys whose names I don't even know because they barely mentioned the main guy's names. And they're doing these vignettes, which are join the dark order because you've been bullied or because you don't have a, a purpose in life. Okay, fine, great. But then they're not wrestling. 
So how do I get invested in that? <laughs> you know? And then all right, private parties, a decent tag team. But again, I think they're a little young and I don't think they're, they should be challenging for the titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, LAX or whatever their names are. Lax. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what are their names? Prideful and Pride. something or another? Pow- pow- Pride, powerful and prideful, or pride and prideful something and powerful, like that. something like that. Yeah, they they came over from TNA. They they were really good in TNA. They so were they're great tag And yeah. I'd like to see a continued feud between them and the Young Bucks without the titles being involved. Uh, the guys that have the belts right now, SCU, are great, but I think they mm-hmm. need to make Christopher Daniels their manager now because Christopher Daniels really has no place with them. Just another rip off of TNA. Sorry. Well, I no, just... I agree. They were they were known as a different name in TNA, and then Scorpio Sky drew, joined them in Ring of Honor. But I mean, Daniels and Kazarian are great athletes. They're they're two of the best in the business. So why not highlight them? Uh, I need not... some more Apple Teenies, though. You might as well just give Daniels his Apple Teenies. Well, yeah, <laughs> I think he's going to turn on them eventually. I think he's eventually just give him the Apple Teenie. Let him be the manager and put his finger in the air, and that'll. Work I will say this: you, 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 I mentioned I didn't like Dark Order. There, there are three guys in, in AEW that I actually like. And I think they need to keep building them slowly, a nice slow burn for about a year or so, and maybe give them the tag titles. The Jurassic Experience or Express, uh, Gentleman Jack Perry and, and uh, Marco Stunt and yeah. are actually a great act. I like well, them. They are, and... I have a Luchasaurus shirt, and, and they, they made it in 15 seconds. <laughs> and they, and, and they, did, they did one of the, again, Raven, seven stories. They did one of the classic stories in wrestling. You can't beat me in 10 minutes, kid. That kind and of a thing. Did. You know, the, the Razor Ramon, one, two, three, kid, or the, right. the... Or to me, what sticks out the most is the Ted DiBiase, Dustin Rhodes... You know, right. and and that was and that kid has amazing potential. He has a great right he has a great look, and if if he can work with a Chris Jericho, like you said, slow burn. If he can work with guys like Chris Jericho, Cody Rhodes, Dean Ambrose, Definitely. for a year or two, that guy and and Chris Jericho is a guy that is all about the future of the business. He is old fucking school. I mean, without a doubt, which know, is why he keeps mentioning that kid in every yes, interview now yes. because he wants to get him over. This is the guy, you know. When when if anybody ever wants to, I, I don't like when people talk shit about Jericho, and here's why. I'll say this right now: the I was always a fan of Jericho from 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 fucking ninety. 94 when he was in Smoky Mountain until today. I've been a huge fan of Chris Jericho. I agree with that. To me, his best gimmick was with Ralphus, and I'm sticking love to it. it. Oh yeah, I love it. Love the late the the heel the heel uh, uh, Jericho Monday Night Jericho on on Nitro. But what what my, what I was gonna say was, if you ever want to know what a professional Chris Jericho is. All you have to do is go back and watch WrestleMania 29 because that guy put over Fandango. Right. And anybody that, who that, puts over Fandango, <laughs> right. let's get it correct. And, and that's Hello. a that, that's a professional. You know, he he is he is invested in. Okay, this kid's over. Can I get this kid over? Because uh, that's why what, was that gimmick ever over? I I don't yeah. know. London, I think. <laughs> but I mean, here's the thing, though. He he. Vince obviously came to him and he's like, look, this this young kid, Fandango, Fandango, I want movie tickets, let me order them on you, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> Fandango. 
needs to get over, can you put him over at Mania? And Jericho didn't even hesitate. He was probably like, yeah, no problem. Yeah, whatever. 20-minute classic. Jericho's that guy that says, you know what? The check's not going to bounce. Right. And I'm not going to get hurt by taking a loss to this kid. And, yep. and like any smart, smart professional wrestling veteran says to himself, if I put this kid over and he does get over strong, I'm going to make money with this kid in a year or two. Without a you doubt. Know, and, and, and then they, they got completely disbanded that, that angle and then put him in a tag team. Yeah, and it was Tyler Breeze. And now he keeps getting injured. <laughs> and now he's like Mark he's been Henry. injured four times in three years. I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, at this point in the show, gentlemen, I think we're at an hour. So we'll take a quick break for the listeners. And uh, when we come back, I have like two or three more topics we're going to discuss. So I think this show's going to go long. And that's fine. Oh, like 8 or 9 a.m., you think? <laughs> I might I'm, need to get it along. You know what? I'm, I'm off my real job tomorrow, so I can sleep till whenever. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> so um, we will be back with more. But this was your real job. <laughs> it's, it's fucking going to be. I'll tell you it's that. It's going to be. <laughs> we will be back with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast right after this, listeners. Thank you. All right, wrestling fans, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And anybody who listens to the show on a regular basis knows that after the first break is shameless plug time. And usually it's just me shamelessly plugging our Facebook group, shamelessly plugging um, the Facebook page, shamelessly plugging, you know, sharing us with your friends, checking us out on Spotify, our iHeartRadio, all the new platforms we're on this year. Um, but I'm going to let uh, Archie... And David have a little shameless plug time here on the show. Archie is a member of, and I talk about the groups every single week on the show. Archie's a member of the Era and Admin, and David is a admin of the Asylum. So, gentlemen, if you want to talk about the groups really quickly here on the show, do your shameless plugs. And uh, so wait, I'll, you mean I can't plug that I'm going to be doing a comedy routine at the Hooters? And that too. I mean, comedy at Hooters. <laughs> How the fuck great is that? Um, I mean, are you going to wear a Hooters shirt? Is that what's happening? Yeah, here? I'm wearing the orange shorts and the Hooters shirt. <laughs> oh, God, I would not come in there. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'm a nice ass, man. No, no, no. I'm good. Um, <laughs> yes, David and I are admin in two different groups, but uh, we actually talked about this a couple of days ago, David and I. We, we came up as admin in these two different groups at the same time. We've been friends even before that happened. Uh, I'm an admin in the era, uh, which is run by myself, Patrick Mancinetti, Petey Gleason, Henry Sugars, um, Alex Lancone, Dave Duncan, um, Tom Tardiff, uh, Rodney Lewis Friedman. Those are the admin. Uh, Rocky Turner is one of our mods, as is Mike Bedard. Um, and, I, you know, with a group that big, that many admin and mods and whatever, uh, we... we have to like you know agree on everything it's a lot of talking it's a lot of you know back and forth debating but it became a brotherhood a family um and we we have a lot of fun you know whether it be a challenge or a free raffle friday or whatever it is we're doing we try to make sure that we're all laughing and enjoying it while we're doing it because if you're not laughing and enjoying it then it's no longer a hobby and fun it's a job and that's not what we're looking for this to become uh in the long term of it yeah it's a job because you know we want to sell some things or do for our members but 
it's not a job per se. Like we all have nine to five jobs. So it's not like we're going to say, oh, we got to, you know, kill ourselves to do the, you know, it's supposed to be fun. Absolutely. Very nice. And he works at Hooters, apparently, on his off time. No, no. Um, I comedy routines at Hooters to get it right. Uh, no, no. That's where he gets all the tips for the stuff that he can put up. But, um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, every we, we kind of discussed this on the last show. A lot of everybody knows. Um, of course, I've been an admin in the asylum for a couple of years now. Everyone knows the history where it started. Uh, we just hit our 2,000 member mark. We're now around 2,030 members in the group, which is a big, big accomplishment. Um, you know, we have 10 admins. Everyone knows who they are. I'm not going to go through the entire list, certainly. Uh, but basically, I don't care. <laughs> what's what? No, um, but everyone knows who all our admins are. We have a very strong team in our group. You know, Mike Zeka, Jamin Wooten, Nick Francis, um, Daniel Ariola, Chris Maddock, Brent McClain, Danny Nips, Danny Nips. Um, let's see, uh, John Majewski, Mr. Poker, Mr. Deal or No Deal. Um, you know, we have a, you know, just like the era does, we give away a ton of free stuff. There are not very many groups out there. Shameless plug, there are not very many groups, and Cheap Pop, there are not very many groups out there that give as much free stuff away as they, these two groups do. Without a doubt. Um, we value our members, and we look at it as a community. Um, obviously, starting next week, uh, we'll be doing an Asylum podcast. Um, it, it'll genuinely be probably around three to four people. Nate will be producing that for us. Um, oh, Nice. And um, it'll generally be around three to four at first, but we're going to have guest stars and certainly like that um, to get that going. Obviously, everyone knows our website is coming as well. Something we've been talking about for quite some time, starting to get that up and running. Um, goal is, is by 2021 to have an actual physical brick and mortar store called The Asylum. So I am trying to make this my career. So um, lots more to come. <laughs> Well, I, I want to stress again to the listeners just really quick, and then I promise, folks, we will get out of our shameless plugging. Both of these groups are well worth your time. And like I have mentioned on the show when Archie was on and the show when David was on, nobody if you join these groups, nobody is expecting you to spend a dime. Not nope. one dime. Um the you're not you're not expected to join a raffle. You're not and, and you know it's 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 more about being a collector being in a community, being in people that, that if you are looking for a certain figure or you're looking for a belt or you're looking for a T-shirt or whatever, these guys, th these are people you can trust to not fuck you over. Like right. a, somebody on Mercari or eBay or, or anywhere else you're going to go on the Internet. And, and, and my listeners, I will put my word because I have quite a few listeners and 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 and. We, we have a good community, too, with the We Can't Wrestle podcast. You can take my word that if you are, if you are dealing with the people that are in these groups, you're not going to get screwed. You are, you are, you are amongst friends. Um, it's a community. Oh, yeah. and, and again, like we've always talked about collecting, of course, if I'm selling something or I want to, obviously, I'm going to try to make money. I mean, that's, mm. that's the nature of the game. But nobody's gouging you. And, and nobody's oh, taking no. advantage no. of you. And, and again, we give, you know, the asylum just had the secret Santa. Um, I have had, I have had shipments from. As did Era, Era had a secret yes, Santa. Yes, yes. Um, 
Anonymous had one as well. Uh, Nerd Closet had one. And I have to say, seeing everybody show their, their gifts, and it wasn't even about the gifts. It was the general joy around seeing everybody post up and saying thank you to each other. Right. It was like we were all together in one big house sharing Christmas together. And, and that's, I mean? that's, what I, that's what I love about these groups is, again, like with you guys, you know, we have none of the three of us have ever, well, Archie and David, have you ever met in person? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Not See, and uh, this, is, this, is, this is what I'm saying. This is one of the good things about the internet and social media. None of the three of us have ever met in person, but I regard these guys as friends. You know, and, and we, we, um, we, we're all meet, we're all, what do I say, aiming for our own goals, but the rest of you are along with us and nobody is looking to screw my, my no, essential, they're, they're, my essential thing here is these two groups are trustworthy and I recommend I them to say there's a level of trust there yes. that after you gain trust from one another you're hoping not to lose it. You know, you're trying your best to keep that trust. And then that's why it turns into, we, we, David says it, I say it, we all say it. It turns into a family because now you begin trusting people, not just with your figures, not just with your, you know, with your money. I had a bad day. I need somebody to talk to and the wife or my family isn't around. Hey, my buddy Josh Blevins is online. Let me go vent to him. David could say the same with Nick Francis. He could go vent to Nick if he needs to. You know what I mean? It, it, you have these guys yeah, let that me, become a support system. Let me go bust uh, David and Archie's balls in poker. You know, I mean, right. <laughs> it's, it's right. you know, it's exactly. just we're we're having fun. We're we're a community. We all have a common interest, and I think it's great. I think it's amazing, and I I, I thank God every day that I discovered these groups. So. Again, like I said, to get the shame, let's get the shameless plugs over and get the recap of 2019 back on track. Um, I definitely recommend me personally join either one of these groups, and I'm definitely looking forward to that Asylum podcast, David. Oh yeah, it's starting next week, and um, some big things coming. Um, and certainly, Archie's invited to guest star oh. occasionally. Um, Without a doubt. Without a doubt, I. See, this is the, the, the fun thing also about these groups. There's no line in the sand like, oh, well, David's in the asylum and I'm in the era. We can't talk to each other or we can't be on a podcast together or I can't go on it. No one's telling us that we can't because we all gained a friendship that no one's going to tell us we're not allowed to. We're not children, you know what I mean? We're grown adults, <laughs> so we put that to the side, you know what I mean? So when you, you asked David and I to be on, I was like... Like, yeah, of course I want to be on. David's one of my best friends on this this whole thing. So, of course, I'd like to talk to you and David for however long, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Same, same thing. I mean, and, and like you were just saying, not not even a shameless plug. There, We, we do events in the group, certainly. Um, better known as raffles. We don't like to use that terminology, certainly. No. But we do events in the groups, and there are a lot of guys that get in on them and then basically they get in with credit they've won from free events that we've done or um you know just so on and so forth for example nate won 20 bucks himself tonight so, exactly um, yes. exactly At, well and free it, it's it's been a good week for nate because nate won 20 bucks from the asylum tonight and nate also got um i don't have a loose evil crush in my hasbro collection i won one of those in archie's raffle this week a Lucy evil crush and a uh, MOC atom bomb you took, I, yeah, which I, I'm surprised you did not take the graded Macho Man. I, 
I I didn't take the match because I wanted that crush. <laughs> I've tried so many times to get my hands on one of those without having to spend over a hundred bucks on it. And oh, so. I agree. I, what did you have? Ten invested in the whole event? Yes. You had like five spots or ten spots at the most. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like, yeah. David, how many times have we seen guys with one spot, whether it be a dollar, two dollars, or five dollars, win the craziest of items? <laughs> I mean, you you got to go. You can go back to. Um, I mean, Chris Maddock, I think it was, one on one spot gifted right. to him, or was it Chen? And then it's like, um, yeah, I mean, Z Man has won like three Malloway Hogan's off of one on or two one spots. Spot. Well, and I've, I, know, I know I've brought it up before. I have an 80, 80% graded um, Taker Hasbro that I won from Majewski, and I spent $6 on the raffle. Yeah, and exactly. How much? How much could that sell? I'm, I'm not going to sell it. It's just going to sit here and be fucking beautiful in my collection. Exactly. But how much? You, you yeah. know, when I when I Lots when of I, and tissue. When, <laughs> when I croak, how much can my daughter sell that for? <laughs> you know. Oh pro- heck no! You're going to be in the funeral and you'll be like, <laughs> yeah, she's going to be clutching it. <laughs> she's gonna. She's literally oh. going to have an undertaker at my funeral. And it's going to be like that meme where it's like, all right, Dad, we're going to sell this. And you sit up like the Undertaker. And the <laughs> like Mariah Carey, at, like Mariah Carey at Christmas time. Yeah. Like, what? You're going to do what now? Yeah, I mean, that's another, that's the beautiful part about collecting. We were talking about that off the, when you were away for a minute there, Nate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Archie likes to brag about my collection, so... Yes. Um, I'm very <laughs> modest about it because, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I feel he's like so I, modest I, about it. He shows it in every video he's in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just happened to do glory hole from the room a couple times and everyone just happened to go, hey, can we kind of see the collection? Because I'm not up there that often, actually. And um, unless I like want to go up there and like just stand there and stare with tissue and lotion for a little bit. But um, <laughs> but it's like. That's the beauty of it all, actually, as well. On top of that, like, if I croak, like, y'all have more than enough to <laughs> keep and then at least get me a decent casket, that, you know? Right. But, um, that, that's, how I justif- I mean, that's, that's how I justify my collection to my wife all the time. Like, look, you know, yeah. this figure right here, 500 bucks. <laughs> you know, like... But, all right, well, I, I want to go to Hawaii, <laughs> so you need to sell that graded taker. You're like, fuck, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah, no, I, maybe I, I shouldn't I, get her the inside scoop. You're right. <laughs> well, no, but see, here's the thing, though. You you can, you can't. Whatever. It's like an insurance policy, though, because we're looking at something that will be worth money even down the line. You know right. what I mean? Like people with baseball cards, or when people went off with Beanie Babies and things like that. We we didn't buy them at first, thinking, oh, this is an investment. But once we started getting the higher end ones, we're like, oh wait, this is actually worth more than I paid for it, right. or I want it in a route. You know, you mentioned winning a, an eighty percent graded taker. I won that same taker, only not graded from Majewski again because he loves to have SA takers. I he guess, has, I guess he does. Like the guy has like seventy five <laughs> takers. Right. Oh my god. And I wanted MOC with a case, and I think there was like 12 or 13 loose Hasbros that went along with it, and I had $10 invested in the raffle. Mm-hmm. So it gets here, I'm unwrapping it, the wife sees me unwrapping it, and she's like, what's that worth, and how much did you pay for it? <laughs> I'm like, you're never going to believe it, $10. And she's like, well, then it definitely got to be worth $10. I'm 
like, well, it's actually worth like 400. She's like, why are we not selling that? I'm like, because why should we? We don't need $400 right now. Right. She's exactly. like, oh, fucking A, we do. But um, <laughs> you know? that's the, that is the beauty of it all. And just for, just for everyone to know, just a little kind of going back to throwing things out there, uh, there will be a Mellowway taker coming up from Majeski soon. Oh, Jesus. So, yeah. Why would um, you tell me? I got to start saving for that now. <laughs> Now, mine, it's not in the bag, but it's still, I mean, everybody wants a damn blue smell-away taker. I mean, I, I don't even have one, so, and he's got, like, 27 of them, so Person, it's like... Personally, I want the sunburnt Virgil, but... Yeah, I... I mean, or the Sabu <laughs> rippled paw. Yeah. It's like, really? Where do you get this stuff, man? <laughs> he said it the other night, and I busted out laughing because he didn't say Sabu. He said Sabu, and I'm like, what the fuck is a Sabu? Where does he get this crap? And he's like... He's like, oh, you know, who wants this? And he makes people want it. You're like, oh, I want that like, off now. I'll never <laughs> forget when he first started poker. He was he used to bring these galoobs out. It was four different galoobs. It was a Z-Man, a Ron Simmons, a, a Busted Up Pillman, and I think a, a Barry Windham. And no one ever took the galoobs. And he always offered them, and we would always like go for the bigger prize. And then one day, a guy wins. And he's like, yeah, I'll take the galoobs. And Majewski's like, what? <laughs> He's like, but finally. Yes. So then the guy takes him, he takes them off the table, we play another hand, and now here comes the next round, guy wins. And he's like, so here's these four galoobs. And I'm like, how many of these loose galoobs do you have? I thought he was going to go, fuck, I don't have another prize. I didn't think someone would pick this. <laughs> you know, but see that again, you win credit with that, you know, with Majewski, you can win a couple bucks, you can win six, seven bucks, eight bucks, whatever. You know, I've seen him give away 20 before on Deal or No Deal. And that's another thing. He has Deal or No Deal. In the same regard, on the Arrow, we had Mike Bedard doing TakeOver, which I think he's going to start that back up soon, um, with, with, you know, giving away either credit or uh, uh, Era hats or, or figures. It I adds a different element for people who don't play in the raffles and want to pay money because, let's face it, there may be 100 guys that buy into the raffles, but then there might be 400 guys who can't afford to do it because, you know, they're a little low on cash and they got an opportunity to win something now. So uh -huh. it's, again, giving back. But then here's the other beauty part that I think David and I are glossing over slightly. The gifting that goes on in these groups. Yes. Like, uh, okay, I won $6 worth of credit on poker uh, 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 or deal or no deal and said, give it to Nate. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, Josh Blevins won a, a, a junkyard bug uh, retro. He's got two of them. Well, give it to Nick Lapari because he doesn't have one, you know, or give it to, you know, there's such a, 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 a beautiful thing going on when it comes to collecting that, like Nate said, no one's gouging anybody. No one's saying, oh, well, this is worth $20. I want 25 People are going, you know, give me what I paid for it, and I'll, I'll ship it to you. Mm-hmm. And and or, in the okay. and in the long run, you're going to get it paid forward. You know, maybe I'm looking for exactly. something. Maybe I give Archie something, and then Archie, you know, later on, I'm looking for something, and Archie's like, "Well, I got one of these laying around, and I haven't dissected it for a custom yet." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Nate, you can have that. <laughs> yeah. Of oh, I got this elite Alistair Black. I just made it into a really awesome Hasbro. Archie, fuck, man. <laughs> no, I didn't. All right, all right. To I'm... his defense, he doesn't do the elites. I just. I, I just don't trust him around. I, I do have a rule, ever. yes. Do not bust up $20 figures. Or, I don't trust or, you around any elites or no, basics. See, I, learned, I learned a secret, actually, though. 
Daniel Ariola, who is the one of the king of customizing in the asylum and does amazing work, knows how to make head molds and can make the cast. So now when I want a head that and I know I said it, someone Clayton Garraway is gonna make a joke that I said Wait, I want If heads. you want a toy head or if you want a head, not no, <laughs> if I want a toy head. My Clayton came out. So yeah, it did. It really did. Your Clayton is showing. <laughs> um if I want a copy of a head. I ask Daniel, and then he makes me the copy. And this way, I don't have to bust up a twenty or thirty or fifty dollar elite because that is—I would never do that. You know, imagine Nate's looking for Pete Dunn, which right now I am looking for a Pete Dunn. Oh, fuck. Please don't. That's what James O'Neill threatened to do for like. Yeah, I know he did, and I tried to trade him for it, and he wouldn't give it to me because he knew what I was going to do to it. Thank God he decided to have a. I think we did a give. We actually did a Mm -hmm. giveaway on it in the asylum. Like, thank God. Now imagine though, Nate's looking for one high and dry, and I know I have one. And then I show Nate my custom. Of course, Nate. Of course, Nate is going to curse me in the back of his head and be like, "Fucker, what did you do?" Yeah. You know. So. I just bought a $10 Matt Riddle yesterday, and I made it was a basic $10 Matt Riddle, and I made it into a custom retro. But here's the thing. That was only $10. I'm not going to do that to a figure that's worth 100 that Yeah, but that's his first-in-the-line figure. Did you at least buy a second one to keep it in the yes. package when it goes up in value? Of okay. course I did, David. Oh, man, you're, you're taking figures that can be used 30 years from now in packaging and... And and freaking there's this SNL skit that was posted in the group the other day, funniest shit I've ever seen, and it describes it describes me and a lot of people perfectly, where these kids are playing with the Star Wars toys and these guys are coming up and going, or we can just look at them. And it's like funny. <laughs> you know what? That's funny. And they're that... like, I buy three, one to open, one to look at, and one to display. That is <laughs> that is amazing that you brought that up because I have um I have a cousin that lives up in Battle Creek, Michigan. When we were kids, oh. when we were kids, my parents would buy me the Luke Skywalker, and I would play with him and probably break his fucking arm in half and blah blah blah. And that's that was that, yeah, that was what it was. His parents were smarter than my parents because every single time they bought a figure for him, they bought one for him to play with and one for him to leave in the package. And now <clears throat> my cousin has a Star Wars collection in his house that is worth over $60,000. Jesus Christ. He has... He should buy a lot of wrestling figures with yeah, that. No shit. <laughs> he, he, has, he has the Millennium Falcon, the original Millennium Falcon in a box, sealed. He could buy a house with his collection. No, yeah, no house. shit. A, car, a couple like, cars. It's amazing. David, you up for a trip to Battle Creek? <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of wrestling. I mean, we can get when, some Melway Hogan when, for ourselves. When he yeah. got when he yeah. got that imp- appraised and insured, and then called me about it, I called my mom immediately and said, "Why? Why weren't you smarter than that?" <laughs> well, if I could go back and like kick my childhood self, David, grab those damn Rikishis out of that one dollar bin. <laughs> there was like fifteen Bendham Rikishis in a dollar bin. Okay, and me and my buddy would always walk in and be like, "Fuck that! We want the Titantron figures." And like, and, and then the three for ten green cards, which once again we talked about this worst series ever made, but yet the most rare. And it's like, what the fuck? It was mass produced. Okay. It was always in three for ten bins. You're you're saying that though, David? Three for ten green cards and Ben the Marquisi. 
Yep. Why weren't any of us smart enough to fucking mail away for the Hogan, Brett, and Undertaker? <laughs> I don't know what the hell was wrong with us because they were like nine ninety nine. They were seven ninety five. We could have fucking had like fifty of them, bitches. Like even if we would have had one, David, each one of the three each, and we would have bought one in bag, leave one in bag, and leave one to play with. <laughs> I mean, but at the end of the day, it's like if I could just go back and go look. This series sucks ass. I know you really want those Titantron figures, <laughs> but those are going to be like a dollar fifty a piece in the future. You can rebuy them. Get those fucking Rikishis because you're never going to see one again. And the only and reason you have one is because fourteen guys bought it for you. Because um, that's the only reason I even have a Rikishi Venom is because fourteen different dudes pitched in to buy one. Yes, that should did. tell you how fucking expensive it is. Fourteen guys. Well, no, some of, some of us got a little cheap, and like myself, only gave ten towards it because that's all I had in PayPal at the time. Some guys gave twenty, but yes, we did, but we did it out of love because we knew how bad you wanted it. Fourteen <laughs> people, and I still can't find a fucking Grandmaster sexy. Right? Did you ever find a Taz? I got the Taz. I spent one hundred and seventy bucks on him, but I got Taz. Yeah, a fucking Taz. <laughs> Bendham Survive if I let you. <laughs> Couldn't you could you could get the real Taz for 175? The, the point of the matter AEW is, did it and, this and, week. And, I, and I'm not bad mouthing the guy because I love him to death. Tyson Bono and I told him what a big mistake he made. He traded his Bendham Taz for a green card loose Yokozuna. And I told Which him, I do you know how many recently. loose Yokozunas you can find? You're never gonna find another Taz Bendham ever again. I think and he, he has yet to find a Taz Bendham. What's that? I think he got. I think he just recently sold Yokozuna too. That's the funny part. But he's he's kicking himself because you can find five hundred Yokozunas, mm -hmm. but you can't find one Taz. You you asked me to look for Taz, Nate. When David and I first met each other, like look for me a Taz and a Rikishi Bendham. I'm like, okay, I'll go on eBay, <laughs> not knowing how rare these things are. There's nothing on eBay. So I go back to David. There's nothing on eBay. He's like, yeah, but if you come across one. So I type them into Google and I'm looking and I'm like, wait a minute. These things weren't produced that long. These weren't released in many places. What Except the rock, the fucking series 15 rock. They made 5 million of them, but yet they didn't make any Rikishi's, well, Taz's, or Grandma's Sexies. They're still making 5 million rocks, Jesus Christ. That's <laughs> all we see is The Rock, John Cena, Ray, Roman Reigns, Finn Balor. Seth and, Rollins. And, and Ray Mysterio. Ray Mysterio. If and I Ray see one more fucking AJ Styles, I'm going to blow my brains out. <laughs> look, kids, it's AJ Styles in the blue outfit. Oh, look right next to him. He's in green. Oh, he's in a two-pack. Fuck. There's not <laughs> AJ Styles. <laughs> And I did a video. Did I send you that when I told you how it with AJ Styles? Yep, yep. I did. I, I came across it yesterday. I walked into Walmart. Um, Dan Gleason told me all Walmarts just restocked. So I'm there looking for Matt Riddle. And I walk into the to this thing, and they're fully stocked with AJ Styles. Mm -hmm. Everything was a AJ Styles basic. AJ yeah. Styles basic. AJ Styles elite. No, AJ Styles it didn't have the elite. It was just basics. It was the Fuck, summer someone beat you to it, man. Damn. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, I and then they got that kick on AJ Styles and that stupid series where they do like kick moves and shit. Watch those be like the figures that are 500 bucks a piece in the future. Like the ones where like, that's a piece of shit. Fuck that. <laughs> you mean the wrecking figures? Yeah. And those will yeah. be $500 a piece because we passed oh. on them like we did the bendoms. You know, you know what I find? utterly stupid 
those things are $20, but yet they have the best head mold possible. But yet on the Elite, it's a wonky eye and a bad hairdo. It's like, what? Do you guys remember those figures that talk? They're like the talking back talkers. Oh, God, and yes. The voices were like, this is Roddy Piper. And you're like, well, yeah. that's not fucking Roddy Piper. I'm oh, Kevin Nash. Like, oh, Macho Man. Like, yeah. no, that is, what? I'm Kevin. I'm, I'm, my favorite was, I'm Ric Flair. Woo. Like, <laughs> Really? You couldn't, like, fucking get the real... I mean, you could have even gotten Jay Lethal to do it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. You, you could have got Jay Lethal to do on the show and the Macho Man. Talking to a mic for three seconds, please. You'd say Shit, something. And if they made a Paul Bear, we're good to go. I got that cover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Paul Bear, go. But, I mean, it's just... Oh, Lord. It's like the things we passed up as kids were... Because it's like... And all this shit that people talk about BCAs... We're way off topic right now. Um... That happens off the show. That's fine. You know, I, I say it every week. It's my fucking show. We can get off as off topic as we want to. But the BCAs, look, man, I don't. We didn't have fucking figures for two years. We had Bendoms. I love Bendoms. I didn't as a kid. I don't know why, but now I'm fucking in love with them. But we had no figures for almost two and a half years. When Hasbro ended their contract and was going to make Series Twelve, that didn't come out. That you can only get in customs. Um, They're actually really bad, except for like the Diesel and the Jeff Jarrett. I mean, who wanted Men on a Mission? And I would have taken another Doink though. The new Doink would have been cool. I don't know. It was just it was a repaint. Come on now. It was, but it's the same difference as fucking Series Eleven that just painted Yoko white. It's like fuck. This one's three hundred dollars more. But Yoko was the world champion. I don't know. He shouldn't have been. That's a whole other discussion. Hey, Um, don't even start that. But that's a whole other show. Yoko not being. Come back next week for that. (laughs) But. I was, there were so many people that rushed to the fucking stores because, first of all, the Series 1 Jacks and Series 2 Jacks BCAs were fucking amazing. Um, I agree. When you have Diesel, Razor Ramon, you have the two packs, you had Owen Hart, Bret Hart, Gold Dust. I mean, just fucking amazing. But everybody bought the fuck out of them. I don't care what anybody says. They and did. All those Hasbros went on clearance, right? So we're passing on them because it's like, oh shit, I want the I want the fucking um, Razor Ramon Diesel two pack, you know. And then as Jack's BCAs kind of went along, yeah, they got a little more shittier because it's like, all right, how many different faces can you make a Stone Cold? We got the alien face, we got right. the baby face blue eye, and then we got the other face that was the only one good one they did, right? Because they didn't. Forget- don't forget the constipated look Stone Cold. Yeah, they didn't. And then it's like, oh, we got the Mellowway Stone Cold, the Toy Fair one, which just changed the shirt that said WrestleMania. That was right. all they did. Right. But people were flocking for that shit, and I was one of them. And so was my friend, and so was everyone I knew. And it's like, fuck, we could play with these, and they don't break. You know, their fingers don't come off. Like, they're, they don't break if they hit the ground. Like, we could flop them around, whatever, right? It wasn't like the Andre the Giant who head-butted people, and you fucking broke the other figure. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, there goes my Hogan, right? Um, but Where's the glue? But it's like, if, if you went back in a time fucking machine, like all of us, there'd be no Hasbro's on the shelf. And we would... You'd see a bunch of fucking Brutuses and Jake, just, that's it. Yep. <laughs> and Rick Rudes. Fucking, hell, even the Rick Rudes are a little more than that. You'd probably just see like the Brutus beefcakes. There'd be tons of Kamalas. Lots of Kamalas on the shelf. Snooker. Um, Snooker, yeah, lots yeah. of snookers. No one wants. Yeah, you would see all of those and be like, "Where the fuck is all the good figures?" And it'd be like Archie's house. Right. <laughs> snooker, snooker is my least. I I don't know about you guys. Sn- the snooker figure is my least fa- favorite Hasbro. 
Well, I hate that that's figure. a whole other story of why he wasn't in jail, but right. I mean, get into that. But, um, but uh, they speaking, gave, they gave him a, a heroin addict eyeball look. I mean, I didn't. I never I mean, understood I, the eyes I, bugging out of. His well, and I mean, I guess like it was Eddie accurate. Guerrero. I guess it was yeah. accurate. <laughs> and why did Ric Flair look like he was taking a nasty shit? I mean, there was a there was one day where. Um, um, I have a, I have a Miss Elizabeth figure, and um, one day, I don't Which know. One? one day it was randomly it was it's a it's an LJN. Oh yeah, it, okay. was it the the variant skirt or the regular skirt? The regular skirt. Um, one day I, I'm I'm in the studio here at the uh, the palace, and uh, the the Miss Elizabeth I don't know for some the LJNs fucking suck for display, by the way, because half of them won't stand up. But anyway, yeah. Elizabeth had fallen over and her head was like caked on the shelf. And uh, my wife's in there with me and she goes, oh, that figure fell over. I don't know what happened there. And I said, oh, the uh, the the snooka figure over there cracked it into the shelf. And then I thought, God, that was the most insensitive fucking thing I've ever said. But anyway, <clears throat> the back to 2019 i'll bring i'll bring us back to our atmosphere okay. Wait, i just i just see what you did there i yeah. just got that i don't know yeah. i don't know why i went over my head at first no, Jim, i caught Jim, it i didn't want to laugh because it was so <laughs> yeah you didn't you <laughs> want only what he got what he just Ar- said I archie just didn't archie it. didn't want to archie didn't want to get into that jim Cornette fried chicken atmosphere yeah, yeah. Um, i don't want to have Nate show get canceled because of me but yeah I, I made that joke um jimmy snooker killed a white lady but anyway um, <laughs> hey, fuck Luger, by the way. Fuck Luger, but anyway, yeah, Luger yes, killed Miss Elizabeth, and fuck so. him too. Fuck him. <laughs> the going coming back to 2019, um, we talked about AEW a little bit. So the next big things that I had on my list here of things to talk about were other promotions being, of course, my favorite promotion of 2019, which is NXT. And the resurgence of the NWA. Those two shows are my favorite wrestling shows on on right now. And I just wanted to I'd, get you guys' opinion. I'd be forced to agree with you. Um, I mean, NXT has just been... I mean, Undisputed Era. I mean, just the, the amount of talent that NXT has. And, and the shows that they put on and the stories. And it's like... Mm-hmm. The show's only two hours, which is great. Um, the takeovers are just fucking good. The war games are fucking good. I mean, it's just, you can tell it's a completely different brand show. There's so little um, to I'm, complain about with that show. It, it There's very little to complain about what they're doing in NXT. Because, I mean, and also you got to understand, you have two fucking genius minds and one that trained the other. William Regal is helping to run that show, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And he's a fucking genius, and he trained Triple H, right? That's, right everyone right. knows that. Right. And, and Triple H is going off of his lead, and they're just running that fucking show. It's like A and B. It's like the storylines are great. And then they, they hand these amazing fucking talents off to Vince, and he fucking ruins most of them. Yeah. Gives them these really shoddy gimmicks or tries to rehash these gimmicks in a certain way. I mean, it, there. Are, I had a friend we talked about, Bo Dallas, for example, and... He had no idea Bo Dallas had the belt for 267 days. He had no idea how great 
of a fucking champion he was and how good he was in the ring. I said, you need to watch him and Neville's ladder match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Definitely a great match. And watch that match and tell me if you think he's anything like he was when they brought him up as Bo Leave. I mean, look, you could have done the Bo Leave stuff, but anyways, not going too far off topic. NXT is probably one of the best shows on TV today. Um, I think Raw and SmackDown have a, I, I honestly don't really, I kind of catch up and watch here and there, but SmackDown's gotten worse since it went to Fox. Um, it, it has. Which and is very surprising because you'd think it would have gotten better, but it got worse. I was going to say, um, um, I watch um, I watch Raw and SmackDown on Hulu. I, we don't have um, we don't have actual cable in my house. We we're, we're cable cutters, so you know we just have smart. internet internet and streaming services. Which, I smart. Mean, frankly, we probably pay more than we would for cable. But anyway, <laughs> um, Raw and SmackDown both. I, I I watch my own abbreviated versions of them. I I watch a show if I get bored. I fast forward, et cetera, et cetera. But Raw and SmackDown. Um, even since SmackDown's move to Fox, you know, I expected so much more after that move. Um, they aren't shows that I watch. The only shows that I watch to completion every week are NXT and NWA. I watch the whole show. I don't even watch AEW. And like I said in, my, in, my, in our discussion about them, it's, it's more because I don't want four 25-minute matches and I skipped through a lot of their women's division. Um, but NXT <coughs> and NWA Power are the two shows I watch to entirety every week. And and most weeks MLW. Um, I will say that. I'll give MLW credit. But the, the NXT show is the best wrestling show on television since probably 2001. I agree, and it's it, the talent, the what they're doing with the wrestlers, the the stories behind them. NWA gives me that I'm back in the, the late '80s feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I freaking love it. It gives people the opportunity. It, it gives me the thought that I'm not saying anyone can wrestle, but it gives me the opportunity and thought that look that these aren't people. I mean, they've got, the, of course, they're big stars and stuff, but there are some people on that roster that you know, are, are schmo Joes and they're, they're doing stuff with them, you know, and uh-huh. it's, um, it, it's, it's just the storytelling, the NXT storytelling. Like I love the announcers on NXT as well. That's, um, big for me. I love the announcing <laughs> on that show. Um, I feel like that if they made, and if they took the talent and put them on raw and let triple H run it, I would never miss a raw. Yeah. Um, that was proven during the whole survivors going into Survivor Series too. Absolutely, and that SmackDown and brought NXT in, and that was the best episode of SmackDown I've watched in years. Absolutely, okay. NXT from top to bottom um, is def- is definitely the best show on on any night of the week. Um, you look at how many times Raw and SmackDown have raked the NXT roster for its talent. And then they've rebuilt it, and it's like, well, they got rid of Finn Balor when he left and, uh, you know, other big-name guys, but then they brought in the Undisputed Era and Keith Lee and uh, Dominic Dijakovic, and then the women's division gets replenished with all these Japanese... And not to cut you off real quick, to go back to what you just said, the Finn Balor, 
Look at how much better no, he is exactly. when he went back That's to NXT. Totally, and we just screwed him over. We just talked. We Go just ahead. talked about that on the last episode of the show. Nate, or, uh, Aaron, and Kyle and I went through our top ten wrestlers of the decade, and of course, as we do here with the three of us, we got off topic, and we were talking about the other stuff going on now. And you you look at that, and it is it's amazing. Like uh, Keith Lee, he was or Finn Balor. I want to come back to Finn Balor. Finn Balor was in NXT and he was amazing. He went to the WWE main roster and you can attribute it to, you know, I mean, I don't know what they were going to do with him when he was the first Universal Champion and then he got right. Seth Rollins. It was an unlucky break. Um, yeah. But oh. since since then, it's been it's been a little underwhelming. Bring him back to NXT. Everything that since he's come back to NXT has been absolutely perfect. It is utilizing him to the best of his abilities. Right, and in a two-hour show, where yes. he's only getting like 30 minutes of that two hours, right. because he gets a match promo, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, and yes, NXT by far is my favorite thing on. I, I agree with Nate. I watch it in its entirety. I do not fast-forward except the commercials. Right. Um, and I, I love NXT. I, I said it in a post I made. I don't really care about Raw or SmackDown unless we're leading into a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll watch NXT any day of the week. And, and when it's a takeover, yeah, I'm glued to my screen for three hours and want to see everything these guys are going to do. Because these men and women are going to do everything they can at that pay-per-view to show off. Absolutely. And it is so encouraging that this is the future of the business. Right. And I, I, you, you like, like you guys said, it. it's almost like... If they were to switch NXT to Monday and put Raw on Wednesday, nobody would give a shit. You know, it'd be like, <laughs> yes, we want NXT on Monday night. I think and what then, needs to happen, going off of what you just said, though, is NXT is the best show, but there is a it's because who's running it because of the talent, right? But mm-hmm. they really have to for for Raw and SmackDown. What, what's happening is is now that NXT is coming on, before NXT was supposed to be the minor league, right? Or looked at right. as, right? This is right. where you start, then you get to the main roster. Now that NXT is on Wednesdays on USA Network, is one of the big boys, SmackDown and Raw can't take NXT talent anymore. They're going to have to start going back to what they used to do, where people debut on the rosters as brand new people. They're going right. to have to start training people behind the scenes and not have them on NXT to start because yeah. what's going to happen is is you're gonna, you're watering down Raw and SmackDown. Mm-hmm. And then what's going and then I'm going to go, "Well, all right, yeah, I loved Riddle in NXT. Now you got him on Raw. Big whoopty deal. It's not really a jump you know, anymore right. like it used to be." The thing though, he's not going to be able to do the same thing that he was doing in NXT on Raw. You know, they're going to give him that bullshit entrance during the the commercial break and then he's just going to be in the ring. He's not going to do his little dance on the way to the ring and kick off those sandals like he does to get people invested. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to have a five-minute match with someone like Rusev, and they're going to end up in a time limit, in a in a, a countout or something. And then go, okay, next week he gets to beat Rusev, but then the following week he gets to, Rusev beats him, but then the following week they don't even have a match. Right. So, and what did you just do for three weeks then? You got. You know you, what I mean? That's- you you got to the heart. You got to the heart, right there, Archie of what is wrong with main roster wrestling. And and I feel like AEW is kind of falling into that trap. What the, yeah. big, the biggest problem with main roster wrestling is 50-50 booking. 
it's like I said, that, that. which is exactly why I said earlier that this this episode of AEW this week was my favorite in months because right. it wasn't 50-50 booking. There were some jobber matches. You you but have you up, have I mean, to look at something though. Look you, at something, and I don't mean to cut you off. Oh no, not at you all. Had match of Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allen uh-huh. with the debut of Arn Anderson as a full on-screen talent now. Right. And they played to Darby Allen's strengths. Uh-huh. Didn't look weak in the match, not one bit. He got to hit all of his spots. They played to Arn Anderson's strengths as being that master psycho, you know, uh, psychologist. Yeah, oh, I love the Cody finish. Hit. I love the finish where Arn kind of gave yeah. Cody the high sign. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. And then you played to Cody's strengths, but also made Cody look slightly weak because he's been beat up for the last few weeks. Right. So even though Darby Allen lost, he didn't look like a jobber or like he was weak. He looked mm-hmm. like he went up against a guy like Cody Rhodes who had Arn Anderson in his head, and it worked out perfectly. Next week, you can rebound by having Darby Allen beat somebody like Jimmy Havoc or yep. Joey Janela. And, it, and you go know, there. When I watched that match, and this is where I'm going to say, although, again, AEW is not it to me right now it's not above NXT and it's even not above NWA but that's just me personally I, I'm that's one of the, above I, Raw and SmackDown in it my is, opinion right it now. is it is I agree I agree too David and 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 I never and people know I say this all the time on the show at no point when I give my opinion on the show am I shitting on your opinion because we are all fans. Right. It, wrestling, yeah. wrestling's just like music. You know, it's all subjective. If you like it, like it. I don't, you know. But right. anyway, what I was gonna say is that match. What I likened that match to when I watched it was this is like Bret Hart and One Two Three Kid in '94 on Raw, good call. which is Very one, good call. which is one of the greatest television wrestling matches ever. It was a veteran beating a rookie, but putting him over at the same time. Making him look like gold. Exactly. Making him look like the next up-and-coming talent. Again, building the future like a Chris Jericho does. And that's what I respect so much about Cody is you can tell you can tell his, that it's just in his blood, you know? Of course. And, and But also, go back to the 90s and watch those shows, which you're talking about, even uh-huh. Raw in the... Attitude Era, when the advertisements were kicking up, and I observed this when I was watching, whenever we had a big high-profile match, like let's say you had The Rock and Stone Cold against Undertaker and Big Show, right? Right. Example. Mm -hmm. You had your commercial break, you had your interview, you had your match, right? And then maybe there was a main event, the show ended. Or, for example, you had an interview, you had your match, you had an interview, then you went to commercial. Only occasionally, if it went like super long, like if it was a thirty to forty minute main event, right, would you see commercial in the middle? Right, right. They never cut the commercial on any matches or segments. Exactly. Now WWE, now today, and even AEW to an extent, yep. I'm getting a match every single match. I'm getting a commercial in the match, and, and some of the matches I'm not invested in commercial that. break while the match is still going on in a small little box. Yeah, I'm and not that, invested. Sometimes I get two or three commercial breaks in one match. Yes, and right. that, I'm not invested. That is exactly that is exactly the, the point I was making about AEW earlier, and like you said, the, to, right. to Raw is I do not. I, I'm sorry, but I I'm just and again it's old guy screaming at the clouds, I guess. But I do not want 
25, 26, 27, 28 minute television matches. I don't want if that. I want that on a pay per view. That's what I expect. If that's going to be a, if it's going to be a twenty eight minute match, then give me Jericho versus, versus Moxley, right. or give me Cody versus Omega, or give me, you know what I mean. Don't give me Nyla Rose versus Riho for twenty eight minutes and give me four commercial breaks where two of them have that little box with showing me the match. Right. I. You know, or the, some... the beauty of a commercial break is if you, I'm sure you guys remember this saying when they would go to commercial break on both Raw and Nitro. We're going to commercial, but the tape machines are still running just in case something happens. Right. And then they go to commercial. And while you sat there and went and got your soda or your, your snack and you waited, you were kind of anticipating that they'd come back and go, the match ended, but here's what happened. Mm-hmm. You were hoping that would happen somewhat. Or you'd be nervously waiting and hoping that it doesn't end. And it was super now, fucking cool when they did it. <laughs> right. Now That's because they, they never did a, they never continued a match on a commercial break. It was no. you had a rock let's say the rock was backstage, you did his interview, right? Then you right. had your match. Maybe it was a five, six, seven minute match. You had your match, right? Right. Then you had an interview, another one, right? Or a backstage segment, commercial. Right. And then you come back and you have a match. And unless it was like a long, which they did maybe once every couple months where you had a 20 minute main event, it was like a big, big, big main event. And you would get the commercial kind of at the beginning after they did their entrances. Right. And they would they would come back and go, welcome back to Raw. That was our last commercial break. So you don't uh, miss uh, anything else. Right. Right. And you're like, great. I'm going to get to see this whole fucking match. All we all we had commercial breaks was for was after they came to the ring, right? I didn't right. know shit. Right. Now it's like, well, this is what happened when we came back from break and someone's doing a hurricanrana or someone's taking a dump or whatever. I missed right. it. I'm not invested <laughs> anymore. Look, I get that they have to pay their, they have to get the advertisers in, but you could do that by putting a bucket of chicken on the announce desk. You know what I mean? They've done it before with commercial free raw and shit like that. They did that in the 90s. They got the commercials right. on just fine. Right. You just had a two-hour show, and you still had 35 minutes of commercials. Right. But it's what they did was is they positioned them to where you weren't missing a fucking thing. It was, okay, here's Sable. Oh, Sable's out here in a thong. All right, commercial. And right. come back. Sable versus, you know. Versus Deborah. No one wants to see Deborah. Um, you know, there you go. Sable versus hey, De- Deborah. Deborah was pretty, pretty good looking when she was younger in her in her age. Uh, she, I don't know. I'm not a fan of the face, but the, I mean, whatever. But um, <laughs> really, you didn't like the puppies. Sable versus Deborah. I, I wasn't a fan. No, I wasn't he said, fan the, he said the face, Archie. <laughs> okay, I, I wasn't right a about fan that. of Deborah at all, whatsoever, really. But I mean, damn, David. You know. I, thought, I thought, wow, okay. <laughs> But the point of the matter is, is that you didn't, you didn't come on, and it was like, here comes the Usos, here comes the, we'll be right back, and then come right. back. Oh, no, what's gonna happen? Yet. The new day? Are, are they gonna come back or what? We're gonna, we'll be right back. And or better like, yet, second fucking commercial, and you're like, I'm all right, fuck it, I'm gonna go take a shit, fuck or, the show. Or <laughs> better yet, like okay, Kathy Kelly cut, does this interview in the back. And then they go, okay, we'll be right back. They go to commercial. And next thing you know, the, the, the New Day's in the ring throwing pancakes because they're getting ready for their match. Like, I don't care to see the New Day make an entrance, but I didn't even know that match was coming up. Right. You know what I mean? And then four minutes into the match, you cut to another commercial break. Like, they're, like David, to Dave, what David's saying is we used to get 40 minutes of commercial free mm-hmm. and then go to commercial for five minutes and then come back. Now we get eight minutes of commercial free and then go to commercial. And it's like, why? 
I don't... any of y'all really get pissed off on those random Monday nights where it was like, tonight there will be no Raw is War. We're going to have the dog show. Like, what the yes. fuck? But see, I was, <laughs> I was so little at the time. I was like nine or ten, maybe a little older when it would happen. I'd get so pissed because it was like, wow, so wait a minute. I'm staying up on a school night, and then I find out at eight o'clock that the Westminster dog show's on. Like, fuck you. And you lo- and I'm like feeling like a dick because I love dogs, but I'm like, fuck this shit. Where's but my you know raw? What's even more aggravating, David? The West- Westminster dog show went on the whole week. So why did they have to take Monday, too? Why couldn't they just have Tuesday through Friday? Like, you got four other days. Did Raw really have to be preempted? And then it was like, all right, you know, they can get their fucking commercials in. And let's think about it realistically. Like Nate's point, I have Hulu, right? Or I'm going to DVR. You're going to skip the fucking commercials anyways. (laughs) Right. So look, give me some wrestling. Stop interrupting my match 16 different times to show me a commercial about some new butt plugs. And fucking just show me some damn wrestling. Can I I briefly say something? Just... um... To backtrack to what we were just talking about, it made me have a thought. Eric Bischoff owes a lot of fucking money to the Westminster Dog Show. (laughs) Because because the the first Nitro Nitro aired (laughs) on a week where that shit had been preempted. (laughs) You're actually right about that. And the, the funniest shit, though, Bischoff done shot his own big toe off. Hi, I'm Tony Schiavone. And if you're going to tune in to Raw tonight, oh, their champion is Mick Foley. And I was like, I'm changing the channel. Fuck yeah. The, the Everyone's been waiting death. for mankind to win the belt. The kiss of death. Yes. That will put butts in the seats. And then mm-hmm. Mick was telling us when we saw him live, we, I saw him in his Hell in a Cell tour. He came to Maryland. And he's like, after that night, I was hurt. Like, my feelings were really hurt that he would say that type of stuff about me. And he's like, knew him. I had a voicemail on my voicemail system when I got home, and it was Shivani. And he was apologizing on my voicemail because he's like, no, 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 that wasn't me. Bischoff made me say these things and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, it took me some time to get over it because, I, you know, but at, at, the, at the end of the day, it helped my career because, like, what was it, two and a half million viewers tuned yeah. over as soon as, like, the match came on you know, or some shit? Here, here's the stu- I want to steal something here from David real quick. You say that word. If you're going to tune into Raw, their champion is about to be Mankind, who used to work here as Cactus Jack. That'll put butts in the seats, right? Mm-hmm. You did that asinine move, and everybody turned on Raw, which Nitro was going an extra hour after Raw ended anyway. Mm-hmm. But Not to mention had... they also replayed Nitro when Raw went off, but anyway. Right. So you say those words, you kill your audience by making them switch to Raw. And then you have the audacity to have it be on the night of the finger poke of doom. You knew that was coming. You knew that Hogan was about to touch Nash's chest and pin him for the title. That's what happens when you let certain wrestlers own their contracts and book themselves. I agree with you, but look at what I'm saying, though. Mick Foley and The Rock actually had a crazy match that night. It went like 25 minutes with DX and and the... the, Austin. and by the way, think about this for a second. The best announcer wasn't even announcing that night. Right. You had fucking Michael Cole on the announce team. No. And you... Mick said that shit at his thing. He was like, I would have loved to hear, by God, he's the champion, you know. But 
you know, um, so you you actually pulled that bullshit move when you knew because they had to have known. I'm sure they got it on their copy when they were coming into work. Hogan's going to beat Nash for the title. How? By poking him in the chest. Okay. But <laughs> am I like the only one that would prefer a robot, a robotic Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, like made into robots that actually acted just like them and announced instead of what we have now? <laughs> well, I can't stand Michael Cole. I like I like Corey Graves. I don't <sighs> mind him. Um, he's he's trying to play the cool heel though, and there was only one cool heel uh, announcer, which Jared was Bobby Waller. Heenan. No, Bobby Heenan by far. Yeah, well, um, he's the best, but Lawler did pretty good in that heel role. Lawler too. did good, but then when he got fired because the cat got fired and he was married to her, he came back and he turned babyface. And now he's trying to pull the pull, pull the cool heel announcer again, and it's just not coming off anymore. He needs to just go work with Ross and AEW. That's what, let's give us what us give give oh. give us what we all want. The Raw announce team sucks, though. I think Samoa Joe being on it was great for those few weeks, um, uh, but that Vic Joseph guy and. Dio Madden or whatever his name is, they're really bad. Yeah, Dio Madden, I, I, Dio Madden question, needs to go Nate, home. Raw and SmackDown suck. NXT's mm-hmm. the best. And AEW is an NWA. I think it's for the nostalgia right now, really. We're all like living in a cloud. But see, here's like, the thing, and, though. It's the, not just that they're the nostalgia. When you look at NWA, you see guys who didn't get opportunities anymore, like yep. Trevor Murdoch, like Nick Aldis, Knight, like Mr. Anderson. Damian Sandow. You know, Damian Sandow, and they're actually getting a chance to act like they want to act. Damian Sandow, or Aaron Stevens as he's going by, his real name, is making fear out of saying the word belt over and over again Uh because he wasn't allowed to say that in the WWE. When they first brought him out and he had the William Regal-like gimmick, Mm -hmm. fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. When he did the cartwheel and all, because Regal made that gimmick. Right, right. Fucking awesome, right? So, and then and they the, did that they, shit where he's trying to be the Miz Dow and stuff. Ruined. Done. Well, it but it was still funny. He was actually getting it over. He was getting but, over, but that's because he's really good. But he should have stuck with his Triple H, William Regal-like gimmick. It I was agree. fucking awesome. And, he was and a what great killed fucking was, heel. Killed him was letting him win money in the bank, bank only to lose to Cena. But yes. And that's not Cena's fault. Obviously, they didn't want him as world champion right away. Okay, great. But you've got guys. Nick Aldis is the perfect NWA champion right now. I hope they don't. I love him. I love him. I love him. Like Nick Aldis. Um, I I kind of started following the NWA story before this whole power thing. I did as well. When I they did as well. ten when, pounds of gold. Yeah, when they started the ten pounds of gold, um, with with Tim Storm, and. As it has evolved, I have watched it and I have become invested in it. And um, Nick Aldis is, you know, I talked earlier about how I thought MJF was the best heel in wrestling, and I really do think he is. But Aldis is is really, really like. Well, second. he got a slow burn as a heel. He didn't. He didn't hurry up and become a heel. Mm-hmm. He was trying to pretend to be a face, but while also belittling people. Right. And then, now he's a full-blown heel with this, I guess they're trying to be the Four Horsemen, which is great. I have no problem with that. They're doing a great job of it. And, and at, at this point, I'm no, I am in no way comparing, um, I am no way comparing Aldous to Flair. No, but he's but doing what a great I, Yes, job. what I will say is, in a studio wrestling setting, with that crowd, he is channeling Ric Flair so well. To the T. 
Yes. And he turned to the crowd this week and yelled at that guy and said, hey, fat boy, you don't say that. Exactly. I went, wow. I got chills. Like, wow, he just <laughs> reminded me of Rick. That's what TNA it, did extremely well with Bobby Roode as well. Yes. He turned I agree. Real, agree. And yes. he turned on James Storm, and he did that whole... And then when they brought him into NXT and they did gave him that awesome fucking theme, yep. Rude was amazing. And then they brought him once again another main roster. Main roster. Yep. Buried him. Buried him. Fucking buried him. Had him doing the, the mix max challenge shit and all this other crap. You know what? That's no big deal to do the mix match challenge shit, but let him get over on Raw and SmackDown at least though too. Buried him. You completely buried him. And it was and like the dude was a fucking TNA him. NWA world champion for right. what? He had the belt for what? Almost two years? Yep. Almost two years? Almost. And he ran that shit to a fucking T. Like he was the biggest. Everyone hated his guts. Yep. You know, and that's the thing. When you do a story well, that's why NWA is doing well because they're utilizing that story really well. And when you go into a place and you're like, I, it's kind of like that movie, you know, um, Robin Hood and Tights, where he's like, hey, I bet. And he's like, I hate that guy, you know? <laughs> so if right. you go in and you go, man, I hate that guy, he's doing his job. Right. Like, right. I fucking hate that. Like, it's not like, oh, man, John Cena wasted 14 years of wrestling for me. I, you know, that, that's well, different. But I oh, think I John Cena be, destroyed wrestling. Him said on the show before um i i don't hate john cena the person i hate john cena the wrestler that like, makes it even worse like he but he i think he, i feel like yes vince kind of went to this pgg bullshit and all that stuff because he didn't have much of a choice whatever whatever but Linda, i feel like Linda. cena was like a rehash at hogan but it was terrible like it wasn't right. like because i, I would have taken 12 more years of even a 70 year old hogan over cena and i, I mean I, that um, <laughs> I would see, have watched Hogan and Flair like they wrestled in TNA. But see, <laughs> but see, here's the thing, though. Again, I don't like Hogan the person, and I haven't been a Hogan fan since like '92. I I like Cena the person because '92 was, was almost the end of his run. You didn't like like at the end. I didn't when he when he beat Yokozuna at WrestleMania nine. Which should have never happened. Which should have never have happened. He took all the luster away from Bret Hart's title reign and Yokozuna becoming champion. I felt he was a piece of shit. And well, that actually started for me. Someone brought it up today on one of the groups when he pulled Sid Justice out of the Royal Rumble and proved what kind of an asshole he was. And that, you know, Which I know that was storyline. But, I mean, he's done that over in his entire career. On the flip side with Cena, the guy does make a wish. He does charity work. He's actually really funny in the movies he's been in, even though he's playing John Cena in every role he's ever been in, uh, except for one movie where he, he looks like Ruggles. Ernest now. Just want to point he that does, out. No, the hairdo, yes. But, yeah. Uh, you know, him on Total Divas with um, Daniel Bryan is hysterical. But then you get him into the wrestling ring and he's like, okay, he's just really watered down and not funny anymore. Now, see, I, I am, and we have to take our, we're at an, we're at an hour in this segment, so we have to take a break here shortly. But oh god, um, <laughs> my <laughs> I'm actually like almost in disagreement with you guys on Cena. Okay. Ooh, shit, my ass is on fire right now because of that. But anyway, you sure you haven't been smoking or something? I wonder <laughs> yeah. if you've been smoking. No, I have said on the show before, from from probably '05. Well, no, fuck, from '02 until. 
I'll say almost 13 with his match with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. Or, no, it wasn't. Uh, 7. 07. His match with Michaels at Mania, thir- or, uh, Mania 23. Worst main event ever, by the way. But anyways, go on. I dug it. Okay. And he- okay, here, so here's my point. I think that Cena, as his career progressed, grew as a performer. He grew as a person. He grew as a an ambassador of wrestling. And although he is not even in my top 50 favorite professional wrestlers ever, I think for the, for the era that he was the top guy, he probably deserved that spot. Um, and that is, again, from somebody that fucking hated him from the beginning. I hated him. I loved his thugonomics. I I think that was his best gimmick and his best match I've ever seen the guy in was his um his uh, last man standing match against Umaga where he had to take the whole fucking turnbuckle yeah. off. Yeah, that was a great match. <laughs> and choke the fucker out with it twice but to beat him. I go I go back to what I've said about Jericho in this show. Um I think that in the in the latter days of his full time wrestling career I think that whether it worked or not, based on Vince's booking and Vince's vision, I think that Cena tried really hard within the past few years to put over the future guys. Oh, there's no denying that Kevin Cena Owens. Put over. Kevin Owens. Uh, he, I think I mean, he picked and choose, but yes, he did put over. No denying that Cena put a lot more people over than Hogan did. Yes. No denying. And Austin. Hogan and really Austin. Ever put over. And Austin. Let's defend. Well, Hogan let's put def- Ultimate Warrior over, but that's a whole other ball game. Hold Cena. on, wait, wait, no, hold on, Nate. I don't mean to cut you off again, but hold on. He put Hogan. He put Warrior over to then ten years later have an embarrassing match with him again at Halloween Havoc and ruin the legacy of that whole match. Which yeah, that's the which match Warrior won again, fan. didn't he? No, Hogan won. Yeah, well, it was still a t- that should have never happened either way because right. they were both past it. Well, Warrior was way worse than Hogan was right. in the ring. WrestleMania six is what made me a fan. That was the first <laughs> thing that ever I, I ever saw. And then, but it, then you well, ten then years it, later and you ruin it. Halloween Havoc. But, they uh, they used like a nineteen forties uh, photograph flash bomb. Yeah, which yeah. Hogan, it blew up in Hogan's face, not even in Warrior's. Yeah. And then you, but to see also, like, like you said, that's what we're going to agree to disagree. I feel like they ruined, I feel like if Vince had some brains in his head for Macho Man, he should have had a run and it shouldn't, it shouldn't have been Yokozuna versus Bret Hart for the title. It should have been Bret Hart versus Macho Man. For the I title. agree. Yokozuna should have been in the intercontinental belt title scene or even the tag belt scene. Yokozuna well, should have never been a WWF champion. That's my opinion. No, I, I can't agree with that. I think Yoko paid his dues to get to the title, and he had the right type of... The, I the think first. Vince liked him because he was a big guy, because Vince loved big guys, and he liked guys that can sit on people. And <laughs> I think that, at the, you know, you make a Samoan into a freaking guy from Tokyo, we all fell for it. He never and, actually said that he was from Tokyo. He just said he was a sumo wrestler. Well, he had a he had a Japanese flag, and there was there was mumblings that it was Tokyo, and oh yeah, you know, and, and the real sumo wrestler was Earthquake John Tenta, but we're not yes. going to get into that. But um, Yoko, in my him. humble opinion, okay. Yokozuna, if he was going to have a title run, he could have had it, 
from like maybe SummerSlam to whatever to Royal Rumble, that would have been fine. But he should have never main evented two WrestleManias, and he should have never held the belt as long as he did. And Bret Hart and Macho Man should have had two. If if you were going to do it, you could have had one year where Macho Man retained, and then the next year he passed the belt off to Bret Hart. Passing of the torch. You know, look, I, 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 I am a big Yokozuna fan, and I can't agree with you completely. I am am too, Archie. Uh, Yeah, I mean, and but then you look at what he did in his later years, and look, Owen Hart is by far one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. But I think Owen Hart had a majority of his success in that tag team with Yokozuna. I the think Yoko was towards the latter part of his career, and then when he broke the turnbuckle, trying to splash on Stone Cold. Yeah, well, that was after with that was after being with Owen. That was like a year after the the tag team broke up. I think it was it was around that point, but at the same token, he got to the point where his health was deteriorating, right. and he couldn't he couldn't. Um, and even with the Owen Hart tag team, Owen did most of the work because Yoko couldn't move around like he did in his earlier well, years. Exactly, but I mean that the same thing could be said about with Andre the Giant, which Haku did a majority of the work when they were a tag team because that's when Andre was starting to get older and couldn't move and do. But in the same regard, Andre the Giant was never a world champion, but he should have been. You know. Well, he was also undefeated for 50 years, so I mean, yes. he had that going for him. <laughs> but who, who was the idiot for not putting the title on Andre the right way? You know what I mean? But we're getting off topic. I'm sorry. You didn't really. Ha- I mean, that that was also because you had Hogan with. I mean, but and Andre didn't want the belt. Andre wanted to give it to Hogan. So. Okay, but how many guys could say that they didn't want the belt but still took it? I mean, there were times where you look at um, Ric Flair was supposed to pass the torch to Sting. Sting got injured, so they ended up having to give it to Lex Luger. Flair said, I don't want to lose it to Lex Luger, got forced into doing it, so he up and left to the WWF, and Luger ended up being a crap champion. Well, that's because Luger sucks, and any, well, no, anywhere I, he went, destroyed. And Flair, Flair knew that Luger sucked, too, because he refused to He said, I want to do business with Sting, not that, with Luger. This comes back to what I was saying about Cena before we go to break here, is the... I was comparing Cena to Austin as a... Now, hold on. Hold on, hold on, David. Hold on. Just hold on. What? I'm not, Go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. I'm not talking about as a draw. I'm not talking about as bell to bell going to entertain me more. I'm talking about as a professional. Because okay. I, just, I just talked about Cena putting over Kevin Owens, Cena put over, putting over... Anybody they want him to put over. Because, again, we we talked way earlier in the show about how nowadays it's just, you know, the writers and Vince, and then that's the vision. But at the end of the day, John Cena, I don't know that I've ever heard a story of John Cena refusing to put anybody over. No. Steve Austin said, nope, I ain't putting over Billy Gunn. Nope, I ain't putting over Jeff Jarrett. Nope, I ain't putting over this person you want to build to be next. As much as I love Stone Cold, as much of a, as much as I love Stone Cold, who's the bigger professional here? But did 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 Stone Cold Steve Austin hold the belt sixteen times? No, but did Stone Cold Steve Austin stay healthy and have as long a run? Well, you can blame Owen Hart for that. Well, <laughs> I mean, and that, and that is it. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
anyway. We'll leave Owen alone. Uh, I'm just saying. I mean, you can't do a tombstone do, do, on a guy taller than you. But, but do you anyways. see? Do you see what I'm saying, David? Like, no, see, I agree. This is why I agree with Nate, David. And I'm going to have to take Nate's side on this with his opinion. Austin also took his ball and went home uh, when they asked him to job to Brock Lesnar and to be in a feud with Ric Flair. I think they asked him to put over Eddie Guerrero one night, not for the whole feud, but one night, and he walked off. You know Steve, I mean? I, I get Steve Austin, Cena Steve is Austin, a professional, but he's also had more opportunities than any than most people. Steve Austin is more like Hulk Hogan than he will ever fucking admit. That's never been not proven because and, they, and they I, tried to and, and they couldn't. And I, I am in no way saying that Steve Austin, and or I'm no, I am in no way saying John Cena entertained me more than Steve Austin did. I was just getting to the the reality of the situation. Steve Austin is much more like Hulk Hogan than he is like John Cena. I would say absolutely in term, in several ways, but I would say that John Cena was pretty much it. That was all the WWE had at a certain and, point, at and, least in their eyes. And, and, and I, so they didn't ask him to put. They I didn't abso- ask him to put a third, uh, a mid Carter like Bill. Look, I love Billy Gunn. He's a genius, mm-hmm. but great guy in the business, but. At that point in time, Austin felt Billy Gunn was an intercontinental belt guy, mid-carter. Right. And he didn't want to put him over. Just like Austin didn't want to go heel, which I agree with him. He shouldn't have. Um, oh, yeah, that was, that, the death, whole, that was the death of the business and why we are where we are today. That whole alliance crap. But anyways, um, I well, agree yeah. with you that Cena is a, is a professional and he does a lot with the children. He is a great human being. Mm-hmm. That's you can't take that like away from the guy. But what's that? That's why I said I like Cena the human being, not Cena the wrestler. He's a great human being. He's a better human being than the, the three of us put together. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. we, we can say that easily. Without a doubt. Right? But at the same token, I'm sitting there looking at the roster that you've had and your up-and-comers and things of that nature, in Vince's eyes and in everyone's eyes, Cena's all I got, right? And he he was, for, for five, six years there, it was, okay. And then, you know, CM Punk was up-and-coming. So, yeah, Cena put Punk over. But, I mean, at that point in time, Cena was stale. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? He got really super stale. Like I, most even, I mean, only people that enjoyed him in 2011 were kids, kids. And, and an occasional woman, right? But right, he <laughs> had to put Punk over. So I agree with you, Nate. He didn't take a ball and go home. He didn't go no. fuck CM Punk. He's a mid Carter. Yeah, that's fine. But if you look at what Vince was asking Stone Cold to do. And and the angles they put him in out of nowhere, like, all right, well, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna put you in this WCW alliance shit. I would have went home too. <laughs> like, yeah, but at the same time, though, we're putting you in the WCW alliance, but you're the world champion in the WWF. You know, you're the main. The whole thing was just, you know, in the same regard with Cena. There were other guys coming up at the same time. Cena broke in at the same time as Brock, Randy Orton, Batista. <laughs> you know. Triple H and Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker were, st- were still there full time. Orton was on SmackDown. Cena yeah, but, was on Raw. 
My they didn't have to put each other is, over. Though, Cena, Cena does go out of his way to put whoever he they'd ask him to put over. Vince had more control over who he was going to put over. But when it comes Agreed. with Austin, we just talked about it with, with not making somebody look bad by having a great match. He could have put over Billy Gunn and not <laughs> lost a step because of doing so. He could have put over Chris Benoit and not lost a step because Chris Benoit was a, a technical wizard. Right. You know what I mean, he could have let Brock Lesnar give him the F5 and walk out of the ring and sat there motionless. But he said, no, I don't want to eat his finisher because that shouldn't happen because I'm stone cold, you know. Yeah, I mean, he's got his Hogan-esque qualities, that's for sure. But there are instances where you can sit down and look at the, yeah, Brock Lesnar was coming up and he had his opportunities. Cena didn't put Lesnar over first. Cena had his opportunities in different areas. So, yeah. The the point is is that Cena is a is less like Hogan than Austin is like Hogan. I agree there, but at the same token, if you look at the roster pound for pound when Stone Cold was there and when Cena was there, the opportunities that Cena got because he was the main guy, he's the top selling guy there is, right? Because we're right. in a PGG rated mode. You know, if you put the belt on Austin 15 or 16 times and stuff like that, it would have been a whole different ballgame. You didn't you had too many people on the roster. Not they certainly weren't playing hot potato with the title like they did with Cena and all the rest of them. When Austin was there, if you got the title, you were holding it for at least three to four months. Exactly. And then but there was too much. There was way too much talent on the roster when Austin was there as well. Up until 2001. Right. Right. right, we all agree to that. Uh-huh. Up until 2001, when they started bringing out these outlandish ideas, and about around the time when Stone Cold, and by the way, Stone Cold put The Rock over WrestleMania 19. I want to point that out, and had no qualms against that. Well, that he came up with The Rock, though. That was they were they were they respected each other. You know, there's a difference. But I'm, my point is, is that Cena has had had came up in a different time, so it's like apples and oranges in terms of. True. Who, you know, we're going to play hot potato with the belt. You're going to get it back, Cena. You're going to get it, you know, in a month. You know, we're going to have Rey Mysterio beat you, but you're going to win it back. Right. You know, type of thing. So it was like, it, it wasn't to where, all right, well, I'm, I'm still the number one guy no matter what. You know, even when Punk had the belt, whatever the case may be, Cena was still, all right, you're still the guy. You're still the man. You're still the... You know, well, it, it's see, just differences in time. I know, time. I know, I know. Nate wants to do a break, but see, this is—I want to. This is going to be the last thing I'm going to say on this subject. When Punk beat Cena at Money in the Bank and then walked out with the title, the very next night they announced a title tournament because Punk wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And I want to. I, I, I think it was the following week, right? We are we are going to do a break, but I want to address this because you brought it up, Archie. Right. That was the minute, the minute they did that storyline, and then we came out of the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. The CM Punk winning the title at Money in the Bank storyline was the minute that wrestling jumped, the WWE jumped the shark for me. I agree. Because it that, brought it back for me. That it was, brought it back, exactly. That, that, that promo that and was, that, that whole storyline was perfect. Exactly, and then they fucked it up. He should have. Well, you went. You, he should have had. He should have had the WWE title, and he should have held it in independent organizations or whatever. 
Right. For well, wait, see, he didn't have to go to Ring of Honor or New Japan. You could have let him go to an independent show, right? Like, you know, CW, whatever, and just defended the title for at least a month. Yeah. You didn't have to do it for a year, but the very next night, it's we're going to crown a new world champion next week. Wait a minute. So we're not even waiting. Right. We're not you even. Gonna... Had, you didn't even have to have him defended in in the Indies. You could have done vignettes. Of him with the belt in a the movie theater, chilling and watching right. a movie. Exactly. Like, I'm on vacation and I got your belt. What the fuck are you going to do about it? You know right. what I mean? AJ Styles did in TNA. It worked out perfectly, actually. Then you give Cena a, a tournament win, give him the belt back. No, it was, then... see, this is this is where my qualm is. You you let this tournament go on, which Cena wasn't even in the tournament. You Cena let was him... in the tournament, wasn't no, he? No, he was on. But he, he still was... won. He won the belt. That's what I'm getting to. You great. let the main event of the tournament become Rey Mysterio versus The Miz. Both great champions, actually. Well done. You put it on. You you let those two guys have the final match. Rey Mysterio beats The Miz. And then you turn around and have John Cena walk out and go, I'm challenging you in the next hour. What? <laughs> so you didn't put John Cena in the tournament. But you're letting him def- make. You're making Rey Mysterio, who just ran a gauntlet for the tournament and beat the Miz, face John Cena, and then you let John Cena beat Rey Mysterio in ten minutes to become the world champion again. Which the only thing that saved that son of a bitch at the ending of all of it was CM Punk walking out with the title. Mm-hmm. So he and was he only comes out with a completely different theme song, which was great. The, the theme song when I heard "Cold of Personality," that would that is one of my favorite songs. When that song hit and he walked out. My mind was blown. But that could have happened a month down the road. Yeah. It did not have to happen a week later. Yeah, well, they... Cena shouldn't have had another belt to begin with. He should have just came right. out a month later and gotten Cena's face and said, you right. want this back? Right. That would have been a better storyline. I mean, I agree 100%. between when that happened to now with Brock Lesnar being nowhere in sight with the world heavyweight title. Right. You know, it's not like, oh, the ratings were going to suffer because there was no world champion on the show. You know. Well, I mean, how many times are you going to give Lesnar the damn belt back? But that's a whole nother discussion. Well, that's, look, that's <laughs> here nor there. He, he, it's really not hurting the show. It's actually giving guys opportunities by not being beaten by, by Brock Lesnar in five minutes. But it's like, okay, he's not here. It's 2020 now. He's going to be on Raw next week, but he's not going to wrestle or anything. He hasn't been here in two months. So you mean to tell me you couldn't spare one month of CM Punk not being there with the world? I mean, he could have still been there, like David said. In vignettes or in an interview. Absolutely. Hey, Punk, did you sign a new uh, new contract yet? Nope. You know. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, he, he even I'm went. Late. He even went to indie shows with the belt. Right. And, you know, showed but it off. But they didn't send and, the camera. Right. You know, he could have pulled a. It he was such, a flare it, when he it, had the it world was, title on his It was. It was. It was the fucking moment WWE jumped the shark for me. So. And then they were. But then TNA picked it up two years later picked up the damn ball, and did it the right way by letting AJ Styles have the world title for two months and do independent and New Japan and all the shows. Right. And then when he came back and defended it against Nick Aldis, it actually made for a damn good match. Mm-hmm. You know? So with, with that note, um, reflecting on the past, we're talking about 2019. We're going to take one more break, and when we return... My last segment of the show that I want to talk to Archie and David about is the future. We're going to talk about what are what we think are the best um, moments and superstars of 2019 and who are the stars of the future 
coming out of this year. So stay tuned to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. We will be right back after this with our finale, rounding out 2019 and talking about the future of wrestling. We'll be right back after this. Wrestling fans, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. An amazing show um, with David Gold and Archie Mitchell. Uh, guys, I can't stress to you until we get into our next conversation how much I appreciate you being on the show and um, sharing your thoughts. And it's always entertaining. And I love having both of you on at the same time here. So we're talking about 2019 in review. And as a review of 2019, I have two guys... In particular, and I talked about them kind of on the last episode of the show, but we'll go into it. I want to go into it with you guys. Who do you think, in 10 years from now, being as we are breaking into a new decade here of the 2020s, 10 years from now, who do you think are we going to be talking about as the two, three biggest stars of the decade? Well, I'd like to say that Ricochet be at the top of that list unfortunately knowing Vince McMahon he probably won't let that young man get past an intercontinental or United States title run Um, you know he's reminding me a lot of Kofi Kingston with the way that he's gonna have to probably prove himself for 10 or 15 years before they even let him anywhere near a world title but um, I, I think that in 10 years we'll be talking about Adam Cole yeah, and, um, and that's what I—that's what I talked about on the last episode of the show when we talked about the top of the decade. I actually put him at number eight on my list for the 2010s, and I think that I agree with you, Archie. I think that Adam Cole is going to be—he's going to be the top star of the 2020s. Absolutely, he is—he is Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair. Of this generation of wrestlers, and it's a bold statement, but he's that guy. And he came up through all the independent rankings to now finally be able to be at WWE and NXT doing what he did on the independent scene and actually getting, you know, getting applause for it is great. But I'm afraid that if he goes to the main roster, they may water him down slightly. Uh, I also would hate to see them take, take him away from the Undisputed Era because that, that, Stable came together perfectly. Mm-hmm. Another name I think that could be talked about in the future is Keith Lee. Uh, again, sticking with NXT because Keith Lee does things that no 350-pound man should be doing, like a second-rope moonsault. Um, no, I and, think that he, and he I, has the ability I, to be a, a, one of Vince's boys. Absolutely, and I equate him to the potential, the potential that I saw in... Monty Brown slash Marquise Varcon or Von Con or whatever the fuck he was called. Um, right. I think that he has. I saw so much potential in that guy, and then I, I think personal reasons took him out of the wrestling business. But right. I think that Keith Lee has the potential that he had. Uh, Marquis, um, 
Marcus Corvon. Yeah, Corvon, yes. Um, uh, An amazing amount of potential in that guy. I agree. I I agree with you. I also think that Keith Lee could be a a Mastodon like Vader. Mm -hmm. And he does things that nobody else can, but also comes off like a monster. So it's not like he's approachable. You know, so it'll... and. I would because he talks really well, but I would I would like to see him with maybe a manager somewhere down the line to yes. like Vader had Harley Race maybe give him somebody that's a legend, and then I guess on the on a top three out of the the main roster which NXT is now the main roster to me, um, another guy that I think we could be talking about in ten years. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do this as a whole with every company. I think we'll be talking about Cody Rhodes in ten years, mainly because Cody. Um, was a part of the WWE uh, farm system, mm-hmm. then went to the main roster. He kind of got shit on uh, after a while. And uh, look, uh, he made Stardust work, but he just wasn't happy with it. But now what he's going to do in AEW and will do in the future, whether it's with AEW or going back to the WWE or whatever he chooses to do, I think Cody Rhodes has the potential of being a great world champion because he was the Ring of Honor and NWA World Champion for a little bit of time, and he did wonders for both those belts. Right. So, so David, what is your what are what are your picks for Hulk uh, Hogan, Macho Man, Rick Flair? <laughs> <Nelson. Um, laughs> Wrong decades. I mean, <laughs> damn it! Uh, um, you time traveled again, David. Let me I guess. Think, MDM. I, I think I think everyone has those same answers. I mean, Adam Cole, certainly. I mean, but I mean, if, if I really want to, um, you know, if I really want to go, I'm, I'm going to say one is Buddy Murphy. Mm-hmm. Good call. Um, I mean, his, his, I mean, Aleister Black being another, but those, I mean, his, I mean, I know right now they're kind of focusing him in kind of with Aleister Black, which has been, it's probably the greatest feud they have going on right now on the entire main roster, if that's what you still want to call it. But um, I know he's kind of been doing the cruiserweight stuff, but he could, if they, if they book him appropriately, he could be really good. Um, I would say that if you kept the Undisputed Era together like you do the Four Horsemen, those four guys, Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Adam Cole could be huge. For a decade, um, I mean, they've been together on NXT. What now, going on almost three years? Yeah. Would you say? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could have them. I mean, if you book them correctly, I mean, they don't always have that titles, but they could be a four horsemen. I mean, give them a really good manager with them, um, kind of like an evolution type of thing. They could be big. Um, if you want to go to the AEW side, yeah, Cody Rhodes for sure. I mean, he's still he's still kind of in the prime of his career. Um, I mean, I think if you if you utilize Luchasaurus correctly, he could be big in the next ten years. I mean, there's not a whole lot of guys his size that you can call Luchador, but right, <laughs> he's still yeah. Luchasaurus. He right, he pulls it off, and I mean, th- th- those are those are just my guys that I see that if they're booked appropriately. I mean, but the biggest would be the undisputed era. I mean, they're the biggest thing going right now. They all have titles. I mean, Adam Cole, I think is the main one that can go off on his own and kind of, kind of work it the most. Um, he reminds me a lot of um, Adam page. 
mm-hmm. um, as well. I mean, those two guys, I mean, he's another one. I would say that if they use him appropriately, he could be good. Yeah. Um, but um, if you utilize them correctly, you can have another four horsemen on your hands. Absolutely. And, and they've been together about as long as the original four horsemen was together. Because remember, they kind of were, what, together from, what, 84 to 87, would you say? Or was it yeah. 88? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was it, for, for the impact they made, it wasn't an amazing, lo- amazingly long amount of time. And then they kind of brought him back, but it was a totally different four horsemen. So, I mean, but what they did, like, they won all the belts, you know, and dirtiest player in the game comes to mind obviously they cheated a lot to win their belts but that's what made them so damn good yeah but when they weren't cheating they were also putting over a multitude of people oh you know? yeah staying dusty roads you could go on the, with the, all the, the horse list. lost to everybody every night of the week until it got to the pay-per-view and then they'd win but it was like who didn't they put over you know what i mean it was like wow I mean, flair put dusty roads over more times than you can count i think I flair mean, put over ricky morton a couple yeah. of times too, you know. Flair's put over everybody. We all Flair and that's not a shot at Ricky Morton. Ricky Morton is a great talent, but I mean, for Flair to put over a tag team wrestler in a singles match, or a Nikita Koloff, or anybody of that nature, it was like wow, you know. Flair's put over everybody. I mean, right? <laughs> I mean, he, he he his last match he put over Shawn Michaels. I mean, right? You know, Flair is is the Flair is the the epitome of. I'm all about putting over the business before myself. and Without a doubt. And I think Adam Cole's the same way, because if you look at his last couple of years in WWE and NXT, with matches with Gargano and with the War Games match they just had, and he's willing to put his body on the line to get somebody else over. Yes. If the, and Ciampa and Gargano's another one. Future. Yep. I mean, oh, I would put DIY back together, in my opinion, and have them as a tag team. You could do them as singles, but... If you really want to grow that tag division, those two guys could be your next LOD. They could be your next <laughs> demolition. You know so what I mean? Just, if you just brought up a great point. They just released a tag team listing for the Dusty Classic. And NXT's tag division isn't that strong by what they showed. Uh, and then they've got four guys, four teams from NXT UK, which are awesome teams. I've, I've covered all four of them before and watched them. But look at the tag, and I think you're right. I think putting a DIY back together or putting Keith Lee and, and that Dominic Dijakovic guy together would be an awesome thing. And that's the only thing maybe NXT is lacking slightly. There's nobody for the Undisputed Era to really fight right now. Right. Well, the whole WWE is lacking in tag. Well, that's because general. Vince hates tag team wrestling. I, I, he, he, and, and that's I, funny well, because, there were. I mean, WCW and WWF had... I mean WCW more so because you know they had they had Harlem Heat they had LOD but right I mean at the same token Vince had Vince would piggyback and grab them for a year or two because you know they would jump back and forth right. like LOD LOD was in the WCW and the WWF four different times between a five year span you know right. what I mean so they jumped back and forth and Vince would pick them up and that's the only reason he'd have tag teams but I mean demolition. You know, I mean, he had his tag teams, and even when he put like, people right. like IRS and MDF that together. hatred. When did he grow? I don't know when he grew the hatred for tag team wrestling because you look at the Hart Foundation demolition. Yeah. You know, well, and, yeah, that's the thing. Like anytime he's ever had a huge wrestling boom, 
tag team wrestling's been a big part of it. Like the right. the '80s wrestling boom with the Foundation and Demolition and the Rockers and et cetera, et cetera, and then the Attitude Era with the New Age Outlaws and and Dudley Hardy. You know, yes. I don't I don't know what made like for you look at a team like the Hart Foundation. They didn't break up. Brett and, and Anvil just went their separate ways. They, right. they were still together. Up until Anvil joined Owen Hart, they were still the Hart Foundation. Demolition didn't break up. They just faded away. Only The the only real team I could think of that actually broke up was the Rockers. Yes. So for Vince to always feel that in order to get both wrestlers over or to get one of those guys over, that you have to break them up and have one guy turn heel makes no sense. Maybe he watched what Scott Steiner did to Rick Steiner. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. That's up too. But but yeah. our, but it, but that was a classic. Like Nate mentioned, those seven storylines. Yeah. That was a classic thing to have happen. A brother turning on a brother. My God, you know, that was shock value. So okay, that worked. But did we really need to see, uh, you know? Uh, uh, guys break up that didn't need to like DIY broke up for no reason right other than Johnny Gargano was injured and so was Champia but in order to get them to be not on TV let's let Champia kill Gargano that night you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah Vince did not like WCW made has never liked WCW made guys but if you look at it even from the 80s on he got the Steiners for a year right and he got the LOD for a year and he got the I mean, he got Arn Anderson and Tully for a, a year, you know, called in the Brain Buster. So he at right. least kept them together and gave them tag team belt runs. But right. it's like now it's like I can, only, I can only name a couple tag teams, you know. All right, look and, at the bar. Look at Sheamus and, and Cesaro. Now, technically, they didn't break up because Sheamus got injured. He just returned, though, tonight, from my understanding, on SmackDown. But... Okay, Cesaro is off now doing whatever he's doing with Shinsuke Nakamura and Sami Zayn. Right. Sheamus comes back. Okay, great. You didn't break them up technically. Sheamus just got injured and he's back now. Okay. Right. But they were a great tag team, actually. I think the only real tag team on the main roster is right now is the the um, Revival, the Usos, who just came back again, I think, tonight, because that's what I read in the spoilers. And... Viking who's on, who's the, you know, who's the raw tag team division, really? Yeah. The best tag team they had that they completely ruined, and it was also injury-related, but they didn't bring them back, was the Bludgeon Brothers. Mm-hmm. It was well, an amazing fucking tag team. The attire was great. Harper and Rowan were devastating. And, of course, you know, they got... Was it Harper that got injured, right? Harper got injured first, and then Rowan got injured immediately afterwards at a house show, so they... they You had the chance to bring them back, and then you didn't bring them back as the Bludgeon Brothers. You just brought them back as Harper and Rowan, and then you you lost Harper. You know what I mean? So it's well that Harper didn't want to be there for the last year and a half, though. If he would have utilized the Bludgeon Brothers correctly, Harper probably wouldn't have had a problem being tag champ. I agree. That was a great, great tag team. Whoever came up with the Bludgeon Brothers, whatever writer Triple H, whoever it was. Yeah, they that could, was a good call. They could have been a 2019 demolition. Yep, I agree. And I think that's what they were trying to do with them, Nate. But I think they they kind of like the injury kind of screwed it over after they had that dominant six month run, and then they had the titles. It just kind of had to fade away. Uh, and know. this is not well, you pull a 1980s, and is, you get him. You, you have an angle where he gets injured really bad, or someone attacks him, right? Or 
maybe they they have a one-off where someone gets them back, right? The faces get them back, and he's gone for six months, and Rowan trains or whatever, then they come back bigger than and badder than ever. And this is not to be like a, a Jim Cornette moment here, but... <laughs> Like, wrestling is, like, WWE ADD anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, like, like you could yes. have exactly what you guys said. You could have built that injury into a story and taken right. it over six months. But we don't do that anymore in wrestling. We just, no. it is it is this week. There's this... no long-term booking anymore. Exactly. They don't even have, they don't have plans for, for WrestleMania right now. They don't know where they're going with mm-hmm. it. Meanwhile, WrestleMania is two and a half months away. It's sad, too, because Vince was always that guy. You know, no matter what, with the booking of the promotion, he was always that guy that you knew, okay, well, he has a vision for six months to ten months from now. So whether, whether we really, really like what he's got planned or not, at least we know he has a plan. And... It's not like that anymore. It's like I said. It's WWADD anymore. It's it's okay. You put the United States title back on Rey Mysterio. Now I like Andrade Sin Almas, and I I love Zelina Vega. So I didn't mind Andrade beating him for the title, but you did it at Madison Square Garden on an untelevised event, which that doesn't really happen anymore. But what was the purpose of putting the belt on Rey Mysterio? Why couldn't Andrade just beat the guy who Rey Mysterio beat? Right. You know, you know what I'm getting. Isn't like, there rumors that Ray's injured though? He got in. Yeah, he was injured, and they they he was actually supposed to kick out of the finish and have the match continue. But he was so banged up, he literally told the ref on the fly, "Let him pin me." You know, he couldn't kick out, so it was just and which is fine. Again, Andrade should be a great United States, but why did we go back to Ray Mysterio then? Mm-hmm. Which again. You just let Ray get fed to Brock Lesnar, and then your reward was here's the United States title, right? You know, because you had no long term booking goals for Ray because Kane Vasquez needed Ray in his corner, and it's it, it's bullshit. You know what I mean? It's it's pure bullshit. And you look at guys like um, what is his name, Humberto Carrillo. Uh-huh. Um, yes. I I really don't know who that guy is except for that he beat AJ Styles cleanly. But I know nothing about him, where he came from, yeah, they, why he's the main roster. They gave you no story. You know, and then now Ricochet is taking his place because that kid got injured. And okay, Ricochet and AJ Styles, great feud. Uh, and Andrade, great feud. But are they going to fight at the Royal Rumble or not? Because we're, we're a month out of the Royal Rumble and we still don't have a damn match made except for the Royal Rumble match and Becky Lynch versus Asuka. Mm-hmm. Which, that I'm looking forward to, Becky Lynch versus Asuka. But, I mean... There's no other booking, and we had, we actually had this problem at the last pay per view. We do, David's done it, I've done it before. Pay per view pickums in the groups, and you you put the card up, and then people say who's going to win, and whoever has the best score wins a prize. Somebody asked me like three days before the pay per view, "Hey, you're going to do a pickum?" And I'm like, "How can I? There's no card." <laughs> and he's like, yeah. "What do you mean?" I'm like, "There's, there's two no matches announced." Matches, man. Yeah. There's literally two matches announced right now. He's like, well, why can't... I'm like, you really want to do a two-match pick them? He's like, okay, well, maybe by Saturday. I'm like, yeah, I'm waiting. Sunday morning, they still didn't announce the card. <laughs> it's like, going to have Elias like, versus pay, Chris Jericho. Oh, shit. He's pay, in AEW. Pay, Never mind. Pay-per-views pay per are like a fucking house show at this point. Um, you know, and then 
they, they did the pay-per-view and they did the it was like what <laughs> this is what we got We've yet, been on this podcast Saudi... so long that NJPW is about to start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can actually watch it. But you look at the pay-per-view that happened that night, and you're like, wait a minute. So this is what we got, but the Saudi Arabia show has been booked for three months, and we know what's going to happen? Hell, we knew Rock was facing John Cena a year ahead both times. Right. Right. <laughs> like, shit. So, Once so... in a lifetime, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Twice in a lifetime for the payday. Um, oh, and to get back on topic, I left a name out that I think should be mentioned because he's been killing it in Impact Wrestling. Sammy Callahan, mm-hmm. if he gets to the WWE or AEW or Impact ever decides to be a major player again, which they're starting to come up again, Sammy Callahan could be the future because everything he's doing right now is a mixture of Mick Foley the mind games of Jake the Snake Roberts, and then just being a badass altogether with his wrestling ability. Right. And I think Sammy Callahan could be talked be talked about in ten years. I agree with you guys on Adam. I think we're all in agreement. I think I think that um, as as students of wrestling that aren't wrestlers, we can agree. I think that Adam Cole is going to probably be the guy we're going to talk about in a decade. Um, oh, without a doubt. The other two guys that I, that I that I'm going to bring up that you guys did not is I think that cuz honestly, I think that Cole is is like Michaels where right now he's a heel, but 10 years he's from now here. we're we're going he's going to be a great babyface too. Um, actually a better baby face than a heel because he's a great, he's smaller and he's a great salesman. Um, doubt. I think that, I hope that, I guess I will say this based on the way he's been booked over the years. To me, the, the guy that could be, I don't know if he will be, but the guy that could be the biggest heel of the decade is Drew McIntyre. Could be. I if they love, continue to book him strong, yes. I love Drew McIntyre. I have since he was in that tag team with Regal like fucking 14 years ago. Um, that guy's amazing. And and I've never disliked anything he's ever done. I even I even liked him in 3MB just because... Oh, fuck. No. No, no, no. And, no, no. Hold on, hold on David. Hold on, David. Not the gimmick, but bell to bell. Like, he's never been bad bell to bell. Uh, Drew McIntyre... I mean, they fucked him on that gimmick, though. Huh. And, and again, that, that's what I'm saying. They fucked him on the booking. I think if you let Drew be Drew, he's the best heel in the business. Yeah, um, that's what he was doing in NXT. Yes, he's a fucking killer. And, and he was Impact. actually a face in NXT, but he was still a badass. But, yeah. and, and even in Impact. Right. You know? Um, and then the other guy, before we wrap it up on the show, that I think is going to be good, and, and, uh, Archie, you brought up Humberto earlier, mm-hmm. um, but another one of his relatives, and I was a huge mark, a huge mark for his uncle back in the day, which is Hector Garza. I loved Hector Garza. I think that Angel Garza is Yeah, I like money. him a lot. He's fucking money. Um, 
So yeah, Adam Cole, Drew McIntyre, Angel Garza. Angel Garza is... He has... Okay, I'm not going to say he is. I'm not going to say he is, because it's very early in his career. But he has the potential to be as good as Eddie Guerrero. I can agree with that. And the WWE is always looking for a uh, a Spanish or Hispanic uh, figurehead to be on a SmackDown or Raw to get the, you know, to get that demographic in. And I think he appeals to them in a very big way. But he also appeals to everybody else. The match he just had with Leo Rush a couple of weeks ago on NXT could be match of the year candidate, in my opinion. Absolutely. Okay, they killed it. They they literally brought the house down for 25 minutes for the Cruiserweight title. Mm-hmm. And when he locked in that submission and wouldn't let go, it was like, wow, this kid's got a killer instinct that needs to come out more. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you look at what they did with him in TNA because he was there for like a year and a half. Right. It's not that they booked him wrong. It's just they didn't have anywhere to, to book him. And then he comes into NXT and it's like, where has this guy been? You know, why didn't they let him do this in TNA? He could have been the greatest X Division champion known to man. I'm glad they brought Leo Rush back appropriately, too. I, that stuff he did I, with Bobby Lashley was just terrible. I, um, I am in total agreement there, yes. Yeah. I'm but glad they brought him back, perfect. let him shine in NXT, and they're letting him shine now as the Cruiser champion. I mean, I've, I've watched Leo Rush live. The dude can fucking yeah. wrestle. Mm-hmm. Um, that kid deserves so no much better than what they did him the first time. No doubt. And I look, he had problems. He said things that he shouldn't have. Um, but he was obviously he had a, from what he says he had a mental problem. You know, something was going on there where he was having a instability problem, and he fixed it. He went home. He fixed it. He came back, and then they trusted him and given him the cruiserweight title right away, and he shined. Absolutely. You know. It was because of him they made the Cruiserweight title go to NXT instead of it just being the WWE Cruiserweight mm-hmm. title. And then he was defending the title twice a week on NXT and on 205 Live. And yes. having 20-minute matches with everybody and killing it. And then, like I said, the match with Angel, Gar- with Angel Garza, they, that, that could have been a WrestleMania moment. If they would have been in front of 40,000, 50,000 people, everyone would have been cheering. That awoke the crowd up. <laughs> yeah. Like you were talking about earlier about being in the crowd and, oh, fuck, the match I'm wanting to see is like three hours away. Those right. Gu- those, guy- those two guys could, I mean, they are amazing performers um, that are the future of the business. And, you know, honestly, if we're talking about 2030, if we're talking about a decade from now, uh, and I hate to say this because I I am a fan of Vince McMahon. I mean, we wouldn't be probably recording this podcast right now if it wasn't for Vince, right? But now he needs to step aside. So I'm thinking about a decade from now and the way booking will be from now. And if I'm looking at the way Triple H books, if NXT what? is if, if NXT is the, the proof in the pudding of how Triple H is going to book when he controls the company, that's a bright, bright future. And I think all the guys we've brought up at the end of the show are guys that is proven that, that Triple H will book the right way. So maybe a decade from now, we'll be talking about a new boom for professional wrestling. 
Um, I will agree with you on that. Um, unfortunately, um, I'm going to have to go back <laughs> a second to the CM Punk pipe bomb promo. Right. When CM Are Punk we cutting was... Archie's mic off right now? No. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> you know, they cut his mic off. Oh, yeah. The, the, the exact words were, and I'd like to think that this company will be better when Vince McMahon dies, but it'll probably be taken over by his doofus son-in-law and his daughter. <laughs> well, Triple H proved that part wrong, that he's not a doofus when it comes to this business. But I don't know if we're going to get Vince McMahon to step down it. God forbid, might have to be when Vince dies that yeah. he ends up being away from the company. And then my fear is is that because Shane is now back in the fold more so, mm-hmm. he's going to want to take over, and there might be a slight power struggle. Right. So, I, I agree with you. I think if Triple H took over and ran Raw, SmackDown, and NXT like he's doing NXT, and maybe differentiated slightly, like made SmackDown more of a tag team heavy show, gave Raw more of the more high flyers and the women, and then made NXT like the main focus, it would be great. But I don't think we're going to see that by 2030 because Vince McMahon would like to live till he's 100 years old, I think. I I, I will. He's got the money, and then he'll be just a floating head in a jar. He's starting to look more and more like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, guys. And then he'll come out in a jar and go, you're fired. Actually, he's he's starting to look like more like... uh, the last time I saw Vince, I thought, wow, that is his dad's head on his old body. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Is well, he going to start flipping quarters between his knuckles soon? Because, like... Was I the only kid in the 90s that thought he was just an announcer? Cause he no, I did, too. He was the I did. owner. So I didn't know he was the owner until he, you know, the whole Bret Hart thing. I didn't know that he was the owner. I yeah. thought he was just an announcer. Like yeah, that, me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whenever like, they would come out and yell at him, like Bret Hart yelled at him before the whole Montreal screw job thing, yeah. and Drew came out and yelled at him because of the racism storyline, and people would be like, why are they yelling at Vince McMahon? What is he going to do? Why aren't they calling Jack Tunney or Gorilla Monsoon? You know what I mean? Right. Poor Jack Tunney. Mm-mm-mm, the way he was treated. Another conversation. What way? How was he treated? Uh, I would I would suggest that you take a moment when you get a chance in the coming days and read about Jack Tunney. Read up about his relationship with Vince at the end, oh, towards well, the end sure. of his tenure. Yeah, sure, but, I mean, didn't he get a bunch of money from Million Dollar Man? No, I'm only kidding. I know that was a storyline. <laughs> well, everyone's got a price. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, no, I, I, I think we have a bright future in wrestling, If these companies that are going right now, like NWA, MLW, uh, Impact, continue to grow, and if AEW stays the course like they did this past week and NXT just keeps being great, then I think we're in for a bright future. If those other three companies I mentioned, though, like the NWA, fold and we're stuck with like just Raw and SmackDown, then we're in trouble. Uh, yeah, it'll be like, we're going to make Raw four hours and SmackDown right. three. No. Oh, and, and WrestleMania is going to spend four days for 24 hours each day. <laughs> Vince will go, I bought them all. <laughs> you no. know, I, I, I want to bring up one last point, which I never, which I didn't understand, actually. I thought it should have happened, but now I see the bigger picture. It's better to have multiple companies. Billy Corgan bought the NWA. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I always thought because he, he did have a relationship with Impact when he, you know, owned part of it. And then Dixie screwed him over in real life and he had to get his money back or whatever. But then when Dixie left and Anthem took over, why Billy Corgan never tried to, when he bought the NWA, try and absorb Impact and Ring of Honor and make it one umbrella company? You know, I, look, look, I love the studio feel. It's great, and it's the 80s, and it brings me back nostalgia, and I love every moment of it. But there could have been a bigger company there and then have a little bit of New Japan mixed in and have a territory kind of feel to it with the NWA, NWA umbrella. I just never understood why Billy didn't try to do that right away. Right. right. You know, and maybe do because let's face it, if he would have had if he has the talent of all those companies I just mentioned mixed with the NWA name, he'd be unstoppable. No, I mean, think about it. What happened in the nineties to the NWA? They tried to be with Eastern Championship Wrestling. They yeah. gave the belt they gave the belt the NWA belt and then it was thrown on the ground and, and then that's where Heyman <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like the NWA well, has a history of working with companies to be pushed aside. It's a shame. but I, I agree with you, but that was a very awesome moment, and it made Shane Douglas into what he was. It was, but it ruined the NWA, and he was. It did. And they were highly pissed about what happened with their belt. It, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Because Heyman did not run that by them when it happened. Yeah, but you, look, you, I'm sure you've listened to all the interviews and everything that went on with that. They were trying to totally destroy what Eastern Championship Wrestling had made and just make it the NWA had, had without running it past Heyman beforehand. Oh, had yeah, and I mean, look at, look at the original origins of ECW. I mean, I mean, Eastern Championship Wrestling. I mean, who right. was who some of your main stars? You had Jimmy Bonk. Superfly Snooker. That's not uh, ECW. Bonk. <laughs> no, that's not ECW. No, Tito Santana, no, Arima. Yeah, dude, I used to love when PWI uh, magazine would release their yearly almanac. Yeah, and I would go back and read who all the old champions and some of these companies were. And when I read the ECW roll call of who their champions were in like '92 and '93, like what the fuck? What do you Road Warrior Hawk was in ECW? Why? You know, it was like what? Like, Jesus, NJPW has like 12 matches that are eight-man tags. Yeah. And half of these dudes look like they're in their 50s. This is right. crazy. Right. <laughs> uh, anyways, that show started. I'm sorry. It's it's <laughs> on now. We've been on so long, NJPW has started. <laughs> Let's do play-by-play commentary. Old man yeah. walks to the ring. He's coming out. He's waving to the fans. Okay, sorry. Go on. <laughs> So, gentlemen, I want to thank you both for being on this 2019 review of uh, the We Can't Wrestle podcast, a a, a review of the year 2019 in wrestling. And I think that um, I think that the future of wrestling is bright. I agree. Agreed. And. I hope that's the truth. Um, I I really hope for 2020, as we go into 2021, my biggest my biggest fears are that AEW gets it wrong <laughs> because I want them to get it right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, we all do. And 
And my biggest fears are that WWE slash NXT gets it wrong. I, I, I don't want that to, I don't want that, that momentum momentum to stop. So um, that being said, I want to wrap it up with uh, either one of you with any of your closing thoughts on tonight's show. Um, did we break the record for longest podcast? Three and a half hours. Yeah, we both did three hours the last time. Ooh, I don't know. We, when I put it together, (laughs) when I put it together tomorrow, I'll let you know. (laughs) Um, As far as my closing statement, um, I love being on this show. I love how we can, and with David involved as well, uh, talk and go into, you know, go off topic as quickly as possible, like, go off the rails. <laughs> um, I think wrestling does have a bright future. Uh, I don't think that NXT is going to get it wrong unless Vince McMahon takes over NXT and Absolutely. forces Triple H out and tells him, you know, this is my company. I'll do whatever I damn well please. Um, AEW has a, a chance to get it wrong, but here's how. If they continue to let Tony Khan be involved and want to be in the camera... Um, you know, I don't mind if Cody becomes the world champion and the Young Bucks become the world tag team. They are some of the best talent. They deserve to be champions. Right. But I think if they have Tony Khan get too involved and they continue to push the women's division, which is very green down our throats, it's going to turn off more uh, viewers. Um, I mean, they have great talent on the roster for the women's division. Uh, that Chris Statlander and B. Priestley uh, are I- great and that goes back to my match and screen time point. Like, they have really good women's talent, but does every match have to be 25 minutes long? No, it doesn't. It could be 10. It could be 15. It could be 8. I mean, if you're going right. to book, book, book Nyla Rose to be a monster, let her destroy someone in two minutes. Don't make me sit through a 15-minute match. That she loses. Yes. You know? But, you know, they have talent on the women's roster that I think they should push more as a more main event feel and leave the more greener people. And that includes Riho, because I don't care if she's Kenny Omega's girlfriend or not. Um, she doesn't need to be their world champion. Um, I hate Britt Baker. Sorry, Adam Cole. I love you, but your girlfriend is annoying. <laughs> Every five minutes, she says on, I'm man. a dentist. Huh? She's also a dentist. Come on, man. Dude, she mentions that every five minutes. She can knock your teeth out and then fix them. Come on. Mm-hmm. She she literally walked up to Riho at the begin in the middle of the show, and said, "You haven't been here, and I've been carrying this division while also running a dental practice." And I literally looked at the screen and went, "You haven't won a match yet. What do you mean carrying the women's division?" Doctor Iris Yankum. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think AEW could get it wrong, yes. But I think they'll probably get a two to three year run out of it, no matter what. And I, I hope, mean, I hope, I hope they years. are. I hope they are successful. I do too. I, I enjoy watching. I have no problem with watching. But give me, give me more pros than cons. You know, that's my mm-hmm. feeling with Raw and SmackDown. You give me way too many cons. That the pro, you know. Raw had a great match with, with Ricochet and, and Andrade on it uh, this week. They had a decent women's tag match. They had a decent, you know, other a couple other matches. But then you killed it with the boring matches and the crap storylines. And then that ending was atrocious. 
SmackDown was last week was okay, but nothing great. I haven't watched this week's SmackDown yet. Um, but give me, let me praise something. You know, let me say, oh well, seeing the Usos come back and save Roman Reigns made it all the more better to watch because I got to see the Usos come back. You know, right. So, in closing, I think that wrestling has a bright future, but I think there are a lot of landmines around that they need to avoid. And David, your opinion? Uh, there are just two things. Uh, one, I need to watch more NJPW because I don't know who seven of the eight guys are that are in this ring right now. Is it the Battle Royal? Is that the opener? No, it's Justin Liger's retirement match. Eight oh. Um, they're, they're starting to show off with that. So, but I don't know who seven of the guys are, but anyways, um, and as five of them look like they've wrestled in the nineties okay, um, or eighties, even two, just sign gold. <laughs> um, but, uh, I thought that was funny. I guess I'm the only one um, <laughs> <laughs> laugh inside. Um, that was to Vince just sign gold. I guess it, okay. Um, I think in closing, um, I think AEW is going to get it a thousand percent right if they, if they continue to be their own brand and do their own thing. They have their crossovers with NJPW. Moxley's on NJPW right now. (laughs) So they're working in conjunction. Cody needs to go to some uh, to some people, and Khan needs to let them run it and stay out of it and just enjoy the show. Um, WWE uh, needs to fix Raw and SmackDown by incorporating NXT. Um, honestly, I would if if I were Vince right now, I would I would probably take Raw off the air. For three hours, I would. I know it's the longest running episodic program, but I would probably move my show just to Wednesday nights, and I would probably make the main roster NXT itself. Right? You could switch the shows theoretically, but I think three shows is, is going to make people get a little stale. You have the talent to run three shows, but the shows aren't. It, the storyline and the storytelling isn't good enough to keep me entertained for Raw nor SmackDown. So what I would do is is if it's easy to do one of two things. Take NXT and put it on Raw. Get rid of Wednesday nights and just have it Monday night. Or you can say, you know what, I still want to compete against AEW. I like beating them in ratings. I want to continue this. You know, make NXT your main show. Or you can even make Raw the main show but let Triple H run it. Take a step back and, and look at what NXT is doing. And I think this year NXT is going to start beating Raw in ratings. And then that'll be when Vince finally starts to put two and two together. Or you got yourself another Jerry Jones. Now my, um, but in, oh, go ahead. that's all I got. My reflection is I hope I, – I, I kind of agree with both of you in that I think that the biggest takeaway from this show is that we all three agree – that NXT is the best brand in wrestling. Read. And what I hope, and and this is from a business perspective, NXT nor AEW have, to this day, 
exceeded 1 million viewers per week. So my hope for 2020 is that one of those two promotions exceed 1 million viewers per week. Because until then, they're not proven to the people that are advertising on those shows. Um, and I want, I especially want NXT to do that. So, NXT is my pick for the year. And like both of you said, I want Vince to acknowledge that. And I want AEW to expand. And that being said, let's wrap up this edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Archie, David, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having us on, Nate. It was my pleasure. Appreciate the the five hours we've been on. Good stuff. <laughs> Guys, this show has went into the bathroom, out to our cars. I mean, a lot has happened that you did not know about. <laughs> the beauty of um, broadcasting. <laughs> Thank you.